1: You can go to gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Again, that's gooder.com slash Pardo and use the code Pardo for free shipping.
2: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It
3: doesn't get any better than this.
2: Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
3: There really is no place like home.
2: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
3: Please don't take this person Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. We're back, baby! We're back, we're back,
2: stronger than ever. I've given you lives. Isn't the whole point of this show to have conversation?
0: 100% for comedy. Friendly room. What a
1: weird game of chicken that is. This guy's sharp. He knows everybody's name in this
0: room. We've been doing fake radio since 2006. <laughs>
1: on tape it's the fastest hour in podcasting this is never not funny now here's your host jimmy pardo
0: hey everybody welcome and hello hello everybody uh, welcome hello everybody hey everybody indeed welcome to the program welcome to never not funny episode 3321 of the award-winning uh, 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 podcast that you're listening to strong start jim real <laughs> strong start Real strong. That's exactly that's a professional show you guys have come to know and love on a weekly basis, sometimes biweekly, sometimes twice a week. You guys decide how you want to use biweekly. We had that conversation last week. I will not have it again. Uh, We welcome you in on uh, what here in Los Angeles, California is a chilly, rainy uh, Monday. It's supposed to be raining, I guess, for the next several days. But uh, today was one of those days where uh, when I left my home, um, there was uh, there was no rain. And as I was locking the door, turning around to lock the door and then do my, uh, my OCD um, uh, of checking the lock and then singing the song uh, to make sure that it's locked before I leave, um, it, it starts raining as if the, it was waiting for me to yeah. run the 40 feet to my car and just soak me. Wait, what's uh, can I hear the song? I don't uh, know. Like... Sure. Um, maybe I can't. Maybe it's got to be one of those things where you're you there. You have to be there. Um, Oh, man, I cannot. I literally cannot. Here's the problem. Right before we started, we tested our sound system, right. and he played that shitty LPGA song. <laughs> yes. And with the uh, I, wa- I, I Want to Rock, yep. basically is what that is. So that's in my head now, and rock rhymes, rhymes with lock, mm-hmm. and it is not that song. But sadly, that is in my head, and I can now not think of the song that I sang literally an hour ago. Um, can I pitch one to you? that you just Oh, didn't here think the of? door is locked. I w- oh I want to, the door is locked locked with you. Door's oh, lo- something it's, it's something like that. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, is that
2: it? That's the Michael Jackson.
0: No, it's not that then. I'm not
2: singing that.
1: Yeah, I, I I'd be surprised you changed the channel when that comes on.
0: Yeah, wait, what the heck, man? What is the song? Oh, here it is. Lock lock lock. Lock lock lock. Lock that door now. Lock that door now. Lock lock lock. lock. And then because it goes on, I basically sing it from the door to my car mm. and then get in the car. And I swear to God, there's times where I go, did I lock the door? Did I sing it? And then I get out and go, yeah, right. Did I sing it? Oh, I don't remember singing it, even though I just stopped singing it. <laughs> and then I will have to, and that usually happens, by the way, when I turn the corner. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, Christ, got to back up the car, get all the way back to the house. Luckily, today, that did not happen in the rain. And even if it did happen today, it would have been like, it's raining. It's yeah. pouring rain you know what no nobody's coming to break into your house today
1: yeah la shuts down when it's raining including yeah. the the burglars they don't show up uh,
0: uh, I can tell you they didn't shut down on the 405 today yeah. that was uh, we had some uh had some flooding in the carpool and then the, the the lane next to the carpool and half of that lane uh that happened not too long after the merge from the 10 to the 405 so uh 10 was not bad until you get to the, that ramp and then that became a standstill mm-hmm. and then once you're past that little flooding area, home free, which is what the GPS told me when I got in the car. Mm-hmm. And then that added about uh, 22 minutes to my drive. Uh, you're a little closer. You're yeah. a little closer than me. Although you you basically get on right there, don't you?
2: Yeah. And so for me, it just seemed like, oh, the 10 freeway is terrible. And I was worried that the entire drive was going to be bad.
0: Yeah, I did too. I, I went into a little panic, but luckily it was just that huge puddle. Now, I'm aware of what happened to your voice. <laughs> you want to address what happened to your
4: voice. Sure. Obviously,
2: you were yelling at the traffic. <laughs> well, In a way, you're right, but what actually, the reason why I mostly uh, ruined my voice was last Thursday, uh, both before and after we recorded, uh, I had reasons to yell at various things, so uh, in the morning, uh, I basically yelled at FedEx.com. You yelled at a a website? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Um, The main reason being, I was receiving a package, I didn't know how big it was, and didn't know if it would fit in my car, and so I wanted it delivered to my home, but it required a signature. Are you allowed to say what you're getting that you don't know if it would fit in your car? It was, it's a computer, but it could be like a really big package that might just not quite get inside the car, even with the seats down. I have a little- How far, listen, if if you had it delivered to that mailbox place of yours, could you carry it? No. I mean, I maybe could put it on a wheelie cart, but this is, this this is the first desktop PC I have bought for myself in maybe a decade. 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, Got everything that you're supposed to get in a computer. It's a big one. Great, you know. But um here's the thing, and I know I say that and you make fun of me. and We be, do behind but your back, but this, but this <laughs> as is, well
0: as in front of your face. Yeah,
2: this is the this is the and right. in writing. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Text, uh, <laughs> text. I had a plane go over your <laughs> apartment yesterday with it. I noticed that banner, but I think they misspelled part of it. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> so. It required a signature, but I wasn't going to be home because they didn't tell me like what they didn't say. Hey, will you be home that day? Right. So I was going to be gone the entire day. And so I was worried that I because it says we will either attempt again tomorrow, which would be fine, or we will send it to a FedEx location. And it didn't say like what the mechanics of that are. Like it didn't say after three times, then we will send it. It made it sound like it might just choose to. Right. So I wanted to find out what the deal was. So I go on to the website and the website says, oh, great. You have a concern about your delivery. You can go ahead and register for an account and you can manage it. Great. So I go to register for the account. And it says we are going to mail you a code. Doesn't help me. That will arrive in three to five days. No, that does not help me in any way, shape, or form in 2024. No. Because tomorrow is when oh, I need this information. God. So that was the beginning of the rage. <laughs> what antiquated <laughs> I've never heard of that. I FedEx had never done that before. i signed up for accounts before and it was like instantaneous. This is wild. So I have to imagine that there's some problem with stolen packages and things like that. I so guess they're, they're trying
1: to verifying that you are that
2: that But addressed. There's gotta be another way. Well, so, the, most things will then either text or call you with a code. Exactly. So, that wasn't the case, so now I'm starting to be upset, and so then I say, you know what, I'll just call FedEx, I'll talk to somebody, they'll figure this out, and they'll fix it. So I go into the FedEx system and it gives me the information I already have, and then I, it's an automated system, so you can talk to it, and I say, customer service, Oh, okay, fine. So they go to customer service, and then the automated system says, we have given you all the information we have, goodbye. Oh no, no you haven't. So then I tried, I should have tried a different phone number. Then I tried to call again and not give the code, and this is when I started yelling at the phone system, because it wouldn't let me talk to anybody unless I put in a delivery, like a like a ticket code. And so then I put it in, and of course it did the exact same thing, Right, which I knew was coming, but I'd wasted my time to do that. So in, in the, so I yelled at, at the phone and I yelled at the website. And I realized that's stupid, but that's what happened. And then later on in the evening after we were done with this and I uh, I went home to stop for a second, which wasn't in the window where they were going to deliver. Um, and then I had a uh, class over at Impro. And I don't know. It wasn't raining or anything. I feel like people are... Dumber at driving, even now, like than a year ago. Like you I don't think, you think a year ago we were better drivers. I think so. All I know is people are not paying attention to what's going on around them.
0: You know, I don't. I I don't know if I dis. I don't know if I disagree. Meaning, I I agree. Mm-hmm. That was I know a, it's hard for you to agree with. It was a long way to go yeah, on that. Yeah, but,
2: well, you really uh, struggled
1: with the just the concept of agreeing with. LA. Yeah, that's I'm what th- I get that, that's man. what tripped me up. Yeah. Sure, sure.
0: I feel. I feel in the last let, let's say few weeks, I'm seeing a lot more people back on their phones. I'm seeing a lot yeah. more people and just blatantly doing it, and then therefore swerving.
2: So I'm seeing a lot of that. So I don't disagree with you. And so, I was a little late. Anecdotally, of course. Sure, sure. I was a little late to the class, oh. and so I I didn't say anything as interesting or clever as I have uh, relayed to you in the past, but I definitely was like, what the fuck are you doing? To the but, people there? No. at the They in were the, on time. <laughs> no, 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 no. What a weird way to react to the people who you're doing a class yeah, with. Yeah, that's your teacher. No, no, no. I was still in the car.
0: Who's teaching the class you're currently
2: taking? Uh, Dan O'Connor and Paul Rugen.
0: All right. Dan O'Connor runs the entire joint, mm-hmm. and uh, Brilliantly Funny.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen his work. Yeah. Very good. Paul Rogan is a is an actor you've seen in several things. I can't think of any Take of them off your the top word for of that. My head. And, uh, and he is very passionate about we're doing Chekhov. So, the Star Trek character, you're doing just <laughs> improv right.
0: strictly on that character. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, the uh, Wessels. We said Wessels Let a lot. Let me ask you a question. And I mean this sincerely. This mm-hmm. is no disrespect to you or your improv people. Mm-hmm. Who wants to see that? Um, people I, don't want to see Chekhov. <laughs> so. Full disclosure, and, and I have shared this with them, uh, I was invited to participate in this. This was not something that, that I chose, I was it was an honor to be invited to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said... Do you want to Google the word honor? <laughs> I uh, Look, they didn't invite everyone, so you can figure out however you want to do that. I, don't know. I got an invite. Matt, did <laughs> you get yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we both got one. Right. Garen, did you get yours? I did. Yeah, we all got Weird. one. All three of us got one.
0: All right. We, cho- we realized nobody wants to see Chekhov, <laughs> so we declined the <laughs> invite. <laughs>
2: So in the in the email where I was invited, I did say, Chekhov's not my favorite. Okay. Well, <laughs> you showed him.
3: <laughs> but <laughs> finally,
1: yeah. is this how you lost your voice by saying not my favorite? Yeah, that was really I mean, <laughs> that was the end. straw that broke <laughs> the camel. So you think
0: <laughs> hang on now. This, and again, this is the, you know, we're, we're, it, granted, it's our fault. We're interrupting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, we need to spice this up because, <laughs> as always, your stories either have no information or too much information. Um, <laughs> The uh, you lost your voice yelling at, at FedEx prior to arriving at, at the class, or it happened at the, the class traffic, the, and the traffic apparently and the traffic oh traffic okay yeah.
2: so the so yeah so so it had it had begun I could tell it was happening uh-huh. and then Friday I kind of had no voice at all. And you, when you texted me, yes. and By that I mean we're using that, you know, the, the encrypted signal. Sure, I've got to do it. Uh, no, I don't want anyone to know what we're talking about. Right, no trace of the story of your larynx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you had said for your show tonight or something. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I thought, I, I thought, or you didn't say for tonight for the show, and I thought you were worried about today. No, no, no. I had yesterday. Yes, was the uh, Sondheim improvised. It was. Shows. Yes. Oh,
0: let me check my text then for that reminder I asked you to send me so that I could come and support you oh I'm sorry well you know what though was that your passive aggressive way of telling me about the show that night I don't have a voice no what? I thought you already knew about it and no I you, remember, you were supposed to send me I didn't know it was like yeah you was here's also kind of
1: passive aggressive on your part <laughs> like hey you were supposed to remind me to go to the thing that I here's said here's the thing I <clears throat> asked him because
0: remember the di- no 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 it's not just put it in your calendar no okay, here's why dick fuck shut the fuck <laughs> up and I'll tell you yeah. he kept on saying we don't know what night and I don't know what show I'm on and he kept on saying different times and different places. I said, "Well, please tell mm. me which one that will be." I thought, I, I thought when
2: I told Matt the times, I thought I told you. But no. here's I, the problem. I swear to God, you were sitting right there, and he said, "Well, it's going to be at eight thirty mm. on Sunday." Never heard that. Well, so here's the reason why it didn't occur to me to remind you is because I didn't know if I was going to have a voice. All right. Also, in fairness,
0: I should not be the first thing on your mind. I just it was yeah. I had asked you to, and I would have come to support. Not with this voice, of
2: course. But. <laughs> no one wants to see him probably that voice. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see a raspy uh, Hokeberg. Actually, it it, I ended up having enough voice. I had more voice than I have now because mm-hmm. I, I you blew it out last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it went really well. Uh, and at least one fan of the show was there. Oh, I've got to apologize. Oh, cool. I can't remember. He told me his his handle, and I don't remember it now. It starts with the W, I think. But um, he brought his daughter and oh. uh, and how old was the daughter? Uh, in the ten to teen area. But but a musical theater fan. I guess so. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, was it said, wonderful? You said it was with a W. Was it that? I just used a no, it. No, that was not it. All right. And I could be wrong, too. Um, I had a lot of shit going in my head. There's 25 other choices. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so it uh, it went very well. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, it was a fun show. And I apologize for not uh, realizing uh, that I should have reminded you. I would have come. I would have come. I, you know, it's funny. I did think, oh, know Jimmy didn't come. I think he wanted to come. And it... It completely left my head that uh, you'd ask me to remind I you. I did. I did not know because at one point it was going to be on that Friday, and then right. uh, well, I definitely had told you it was. I told you the date, and you looked at your calendar. But I, I, I acknowledge that I may not have told you the time.
0: Yeah, I, I did not. I did not hear the time. And if I was sitting here and you told Matt, I, I was not listening because you were talking to Matt. So hmm. I mean
1: we plugged it on the show, which is why I felt like it was with the information was here. If if only you listen
2: to Never Not Funny. <laughs> no. I don't I don't like three of the four people. I'm not sure I'm
0: one of the ones I like.
2: Yeah. So Garen's the one you like. Mm-hmm. He is the
0: people's like, choice. I don't know you follow him on Twitter. It's a, it's a fucking chore, man.
2: I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure he's the one. But anyway, so that was the situation. And um And uh, so I managed to get I was I was reticent. I was even uh, late to show up to like there's three shows and they wanted us to be there at 530. And it's a weird thing because like I had like a mental block and then there was an email that's that made things confusing. But then I was like, should I warm up my voice? I don't know. And then I just I I was all thrown off. But once it came showtime. I'm there. You I'm were there. On. Yeah. yeah. They, you got the adrenaline. They,
0: yeah. It all kicks in. Yeah. I've done that. It's a stand-up comic. You go up with a raspy voice and somehow you get through it. Yeah. Wait, you did
2: three shows? No, or... I did not do three they shows. They were doing three shows. There were three the shows were total. There were five you. people in each show. Got it. Um, and so, yeah. So I did the third show. And turnout was good? You had a good turnout for that? Uh, turnout was okay. The first show, I th- I think, was sold out. Oh. And then the other shows had all the seats were full, which is not the same as sold out because they, they add like benches and stuff mm-hmm. when they do that but um but yeah there was plenty of audience and it you was had that fan of ours and his daughter yeah. just those two people sitting there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh kind of weird mm-hmm. to just do but you know it's not the first time i've done improv in front of two people neither i've done stand up in front of one so that uh that's tough right yeah
0: yeah it's awful you it, said it, you it, like stand up to be a conversation so <laughs> 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 that's too intimate <laughs> it's all you know here's the part that sucks they they Whenever it's less than like seven people, they offer that person, th- those people, the opportunity, do you want to show or not? And usually if there's other if there's other tables and couples, they'll go, yeah, oh, we're all here. Mm-hmm. We left the house. And it still sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you can, you can kind of get in your car and go, well, you know what? We made the best of it. But really, it's not great.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But that guy said yes. Mm-hmm. And then so we all had to do a show for that one guy.
1: <laughs> and, it was and then you just resent weird. him. Like, yeah. Why didn't you let us leave? Right? You're the reason we had to do this. You're the
0: reason. Do this. Go, go. It was, in a, it was a hotel gig. It was like, go back to you. And I get it. You're a traveling salesman. You're bored out of your fucking mind. You go, hey, it's a comedy night. But that there, there's nobody here.
2: Yeah. Do, do, do you ever consider like having dinner with the guy instead? Like, hey, instead of a show, can we just, uh, we'll have a meal? I will tell you this. There is a chance that I
0: will never remember who the headliner was. There's a chance that's what happened. I think that oh, yeah. he may have sat down with the guy. Hmm. And just and, and just and had the conversation. Oh, interesting. Um, I wasn't going to do that because I was not the headliner. B, I was not interested.
3: <laughs> so, uh,
0: you know, I mean, it, it, and the headliner probably had to do that, by the way, because the first two comics, probably even if the other comic didn't do crowd stuff like I did, probably spent the whole time talking about it with just one person. And, you know, trying to do your jokes, but it's tough because it's one dude sitting there. And uh, so the headliner probably had nothing left. Yeah. But but to sit down right. and just talk to the guy—it's a smart thing to do, is it?
2: <laughs> I, I had a show once where there were four people in the audience. Two people clearly had misjudged what the show was going to be, and they—one of them went to the bathroom, and the other one said, "Oh, I have to, you know, also go to the bathroom." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then they just never came back. Yeah. But then the two people who were left—I guess there was some kind of there was legitimately some kind of fight that was happening outside. And so we're doing the show. We don't know the fight is happening. Somebody comes in and talks to one of them. Then they take that person out. And so now there's one person. And then somebody comes and talks to her. And then she leaves. So we're, we're, we're doing the show to nobody. Right. Except for the lighting person. Only to find out that there was a huge fight that had happened outside. And that's the reason why the last. Because the last two people knew what the show was. They were interested. Yeah. But it was their friend who was getting into a fight. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, Yeah. So I, I that it took it took about I don't know four minutes for us to realize that there was nobody out there. Did you bail on the show then? Yeah, you have to. At that point, you can't do a show. I well, mean, you can. That's a rehearsal, but you can't do a show to nobody. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah, the, the fight probably had a bigger audience. Yeah, you go out there and watch that thing and throw, <laughs> some, like, and throw well, some dough down? Unfortunately, by the time he got outside, it was over, but oh, the police were there. Sure. I'm sorry uh, to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really is too bad.
1: That's, that's a, sh- that's that's a dark be, shame. That would be great if it had gone on and on. Right? you move you your
2: ass next time. <laughs> right, that's yep. on you. Get the fight inside. Oh yeah, and bring then, it inside. Get it char- out of the cold. And charge for it.
0: It's not a bad idea. Yeah i sure it was better than what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> no they, they whatever they were doing could not keep anybody's attention. No. That that same show had sold out in the past. It was just
1: that particular night. Yeah, we get it. I heard the fight was about, like, they were so mad that they had to go to this
2: fucking show. <laughs> they, were, they started beating each other they up because it was one work. person's idea and the other one said no. You know
0: what? Me Punchy, you was better than watching that shit inside. <laughs> the pain of am enduring is better than their quote-unquote comedy. When we did, when I first moved here, we did a sketch show. and It was... Um, you know, uh, uh, Chip Chinnery, Jimmy Dore, Pat Francis, myself, and a guy named Jack Thomas. And then Jack left and, and Pete Moore uh, joined uh, the thing. We did, we did two shows at the, and then we, we wanted to do a, uh, for whatever reason, word got out. Somebody at the Ice House in Pasadena either came to see it and then told their booker to see us and maybe have us do like every Tuesday at the Ice House. Mm-hmm. And the Ice House at that point was trying to do two stages. They had the main stage and a secondary stage. And so it was not Bob Fisher who was the booker and, and a woman named Elaine uh, who booked the Ice House. It wasn't them. It was the guy who was booking the, the auxiliary stage. And so we get there to do the audition, and it's just for him. He's the only guy in the room, and I'd, none of us knew that. We thought mm-hmm. there'd be some people there. right? And so Jack Thomas, who would have to go out and and like his first line was, you know, you know welcome to, it was called Must See Sketch Show because we initially were doing it on Thursday nights competing with Must See TV mm-hmm. and of course nobody coming so yeah. we thought it was funny to call the show that and, and so he said, hey, welcome to Must See Sketch Show. uh You know, it, in line was, you know, good to see so many familiar faces blah, blah, blah because he had a thing about so many familiar faces and it, and it led into whatever the first sketch was. well There's, there's nobody there. <laughs> so he goes, and we're backstage ready to go on and he goes, uh, and by the way, it's fucking horrible. Like, I'm in the back, like, going, let's just get out of here. Like, what are we doing? Why are we – this is stupid. We, you know, we – we you guys are all in comedy. You know we can't build any momentum. You know we can't get any energy uh, t- to build on this. And, you know, Chip and others, you know, we're dead set on doing it. Um, and so Jack says, uh, welcome to us Busy's Discussion.com. Uh, so nice to see somebody familiar face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy doesn't laugh at all. Oh boy! And I can't stop laughing.
1: <laughs> you're backstage, or you're on stage with him?
0: I I was backstage at the moment mm-hmm. and cannot stop laughing because it made the combo of him saying it and then the, lack, and of the lack of response. Like not even a hey, like yeah, not even an right. acknowledgement. This he's for
1: you, right? Like and, usually, people go, huh? Just because, like, oh, you, you're pointing something out. I, I, I'm getting attention, and I like attention.
0: Well, also, you're acknowledging the situation. Right. Going back to the Joe Coy thing, almost. You're acknowledging, yes. it's weird that I'm the only person here, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't stop laughing, and then I can't stop laughing, and then we're doing this. You know, we're doing the sketches, and and we're getting nothing. We're getting nothing. So you were the and, Jimmy and, Fallon of this uh, performance. Yeah, yeah, I was. it worked out for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, did not work out out for us.
1: It's weird that you didn't get a a lucrative television career out of
0: that. We didn't even get Tuesdays at the auxiliary (laughs) stage in (laughs) Pasadena. We didn't even get that. It was a, uh, I believe we got a a message, you know, I I think Chip was, you know, the guy that was coordinating everything. And I believe we got a message saying... uh, it's gonna be a pass for us. No, thank you. Yeah, a little pitchy dog I think, yeah. is what we were told. Right?
1: There's actually a, there's a fight happening across town outside of another theater that we're gonna book. <laughs> we're
0: gonna book that because that quite really that was funnier than what you. It was. You know what? Both those sketch shows were very very funny. I stand by them. Uh, you know, it's not what I moved here to do, but uh, they were they were funny sketches. And uh, I don't believe I. In fairness, I, I think I was just an actor in them all. I don't know. No, I don't think I. I may have co-written one or two, but I, I don't think I did. I think they mm. were mostly written by the rest of the cast, and I was, you know, an actor in it. But mm-hmm. uh, they were, there were some funny sketches in there, very funny sketches. Uh, and that night, I found them all funny. Couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Could not stop. Now, Matt, you brought up earlier because I was starting to sing Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and I forgot to ask you last week. I saw a photograph on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You, you did you go? to see the Michael Jackson musical at the Pantages or did just Elise and the children? I did not.
1: Elise took Charlie and two of his friends because I had to... Not do that? (laughs) (laughs) Partly lack of interest and partly I had to pick Zoe up from a a rehearsal that would have conflicted. So um, Why did
0: you you have to...
1: uh, Well, someone had to pick her up. And so it was decided the the solution to this was... I mean, theoretically, she could have gone to a friend's house, I guess, after rehearsal. But... um, I was like, I'm not that interested in seeing this show. Right. So I'll just stay home and then pick her up. And, uh, and then we went to see Mean Girls, the the movie. So, um, so it worked out for me. Uh, and, uh, I guess it worked out for them. They liked it. Okay. I mean, I they guess did, apparently, apparently the guy playing him, there's three pe- people playing him at different ages, but the main guy who plays him for most of his adult career, uh, apparently is incredible. Yeah. Like she, she was basically like, it's, it's like you're going to see a Michael Jackson concert. Like that's Mm. how good he is at singing and dancing. Right. And I was like, well, I would, I would rather see that. Like, I don't need to get the whole stupid, like the story of it, which apparently is built around the framing device of they're preparing the dangerous tour. Okay. That was the early Mm nineties, you know, 92 or something. Uh, And it's flashing back to, so
0: it doesn't even. So there's nothing from black and white and uh, and from songs after dangerous, I guess. Nah. Or do they use, maybe they could, they could still use it for story. I don't think More so. Story along. I don't think
1: I they guess, do. Uh, that's interesting. And also, I mean, look, I don't know. That's, it's such an odd thing to exist because obviously it's made for fans of Michael Jackson. So you're not going to get into the allegations, right? The child stuff. Uh,
0: and why would you? I mean, if you're doing that, yeah.
1: But you're also not going to get it. I mean, a lot of these things that we've seen, like the Tina Turner, the Donna Summer, the you know, they they go through their whole life because their life is basically over. Uh, I think Donna Summer's still alive, right? But no. she, oh, she's not. Okay. No. Um, but you know, you have to find an ending. And Michael Jackson's story does have an ending. He
0: died. <laughs> and it doesn't deal with that at all. So it goes all the way to dangerous, which is basically kind of before all those allegations started coming out. Mm, right. So that's exactly why they chose to throw it up there. Yeah, but I'm guessing. But it just it's very, cons- cons- very conspicuous. Like but it's a conspicuous choice. It is.
1: Uh, which is why I avoided it. I mean, <laughs> right? he obviously had a very successful, incredible career up to up until that point. But there's an elephant in the
2: room. And a monkey, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole menagerie. So, but how how in a uh, what is presumably a fun, good time musical, do you like have him get drugged to death?
0: Well, okay, again, they, it's
1: also they deal with his father's abusiveness. I mean, that's not fun either. Mm-hmm. But they, these 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 musicals do try to tackle those things because that's part of the story. But. Uh, but I this guess, one didn't. Well, I mean, it's not going to deal with the propofol stuff because again, that no. happened post dangerous. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the entire last chapter of his life was very sad. Like it's 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 just you know horrible stuff. His his career as a musician performer singer was kind of circling the drain, and then he was trying to make a comeback and died. So right. there's really no button on it that's mm. positive or, or uplifting or anything other than just. Yeah, what a horrible ending to a very I, sad life.
0: I guess it's kind of in a way like the Queen movie that just ends at Live Aid. Yeah, and I guess that's yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I guess there are there is precedent for
0: doing that but, kind of. A but movie. even that though, I, I it felt incomplete to me. It felt like why is it ending? But I, they, I understand. They, they kind of didn't they make reference to him
1: getting sick? I can't remember. Did they? But he didn't get AIDS until a few years after Live Aid, I think. So, or maybe that's wrong. I don't remember.
0: I. But they I, they I, ad- ad- the I feel like
1: they to... addressed his death in the movie somehow. Like even if it's just a title card, there might or be a title
0: card afterward. Although they're, again, they're talking about doing a sequel, and I would imagine the sequel has something to do with well, oh, just the last few up.
1: years of his life. That's interesting.
0: That'd probably be a better movie, honestly. <laughs> it's
1: a more interesting because he was right at the forefront of like people, the the public grappling with the AIDS crisis. Like, he, what was the? There was the kid that just got. AIDS from a blood transfusion oh, a kid in
0: Indiana yeah white
1: last Ryan, name Ryan, 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 Ryan White yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know I can't think of another famous celebrity before Freddie Mercury
0: is it possible Rock Hudson died of it we just didn't know that's what he died of that was What's the, the rumor timeline?
1: that was the rumor but I don't think I it don't was know. ever it was never made public or I don't even know if today maybe they still haven't acknowledged that that was
3: he died in 85
0: so well, that's before that that's certainly before Freddie Mercury.
3: Uh, following who he became one of the first celebrities to, dis- dis- to disclose his AIDS diagnosis. This oh. is Rock Hudson. Hudson was oh. the first major major celebrity to die from the AIDS-related illness. Oh, okay,
1: so he did acknowledge it. Interesting. Interesting. Right.
3: And then didn't I don't think these timelines match up. But didn't the uh, the Brady Bunch dude also oh, Robert w- Reed? But that was l-
0: that was later. Later,
3: right? right? That was like in the early nineties. I have no
0: idea
1: well he did all those Brady's movies I don't even know I don't remember
0: him having AIDS did he have AIDS
3: I'm pretty sure he did uh...
0: I, don't, I don't remember him having AIDS either I just remember it being a surprise that he was gay because he played right. you know, America's dad yeah Um. and he was never really out right at least publicly
3: oh yeah. I let me take that back <laughs> Initially, Reed's death was solely attributed to cancer, but details which were written on his death certificate were later made public revealing that Reed was also HIV positive. So
1: so he died of cancer. Died of cancer, but but also had HIV. He was living with HIV. What year did he die?
3: He died in, he was diagnosed in the spring of 91, and he died in uh, 92, May 12th, 1992.
1: I would have, I thought he lived much longer than that for Mm. some reason. Well, then obviously magic Johnson, like that was the biggest right. one of in terms of public awareness, but yeah, Rock Hudson, wow, I mean, I remember all the terrible jokes
0: about him, yeah, but that's uh, funny stuff, really funny, I'd say sarcastically in case nobody is uh hearing that properly mm-hmm. uh and moving on to a positive thing mm-hmm. uh and and this is going to um. I throw this onto the program to counter the Joe Coy conversation we've been having. Okay. Uh, did you happen to see the John Mullaney hosting the Governor's Awards? I have not watched that now. 16 minutes of nothing but greatness. Hmm. It is yep. hysterical, and he handles an, a room full of people that don't know who he is. Now, theoretically, they could know him more than they would know uh, Joe Coy, Joe Coy yeah. because of his Broadway stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, the uh, Oh, Hello, which was... Hugely uh, successful, and people loved. It was a yeah. uh, destination place for hipsters and those in the know to go. Yep. Uh, but he addresses like I know a lot of people in here don't know who I am, and he and he's got jokes prepared for that, mm-hmm. and he's great, and he doesn't an um once, and he's
2: gr- you know it's really really great, and, yeah. th- and not only that, arguably the setting is worse than Coy's setting, because at least, like there is there is a stage and big screens, but it still felt more like a hotel conference room. <laughs>
0: and he addresses the, that. Yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, he also, they start the show, and I would say 40% are not seated yet. And so Jesus. here's the host of the show <laughs> telling people, please find your seats. Find your seats now. <laughs> what is the Governor's Award? They give out, uh, it's the non-televised things, right? But it's for the Oscars. So oh oh right okay. what what what
2: is it? it uh, I don't remember. I know that there's the governor's ball, but that's a different thing.
0: That is a different thing. The, the, so there's we like, know there's
2: we know they're look it up. They're celebrating four specific people, right?
0: But I believe there's awards within the within the show as well, because like Bradley Cooper was there, and
1: and they re- like on the on the Oscar telecast, they usually reference back to the governor's ball or the governor's award or whatever the for, like, but
0: if, but it would be weird if they're already giving out awards for the for Oscars i think it's like when special, the Oscar
1: nominations have not come out because it's not I don't think they're it's not part of that it's like they choose people to honor with like a lifetime achievement well, that's what I'm saying. there's
0: those four but yeah. I believe there's other awards around those that are nomin like People are nominated. I don't know. Then... It's it's or maybe maybe it is just those four people. Yeah. All right. Uh, One was Mel Brooks, by the way, that and the camera never found him in the audience. <laughs> he was there. Yeah, and they uh, yeah. and it never because because John is looking right at him and talking to him, uh-huh. and John is making jokes that nobody in the room would be laughing harder at than Mel Brooks, uh-huh. yeah. and you the camera can't
2: find him. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. All right. The Governor's Awards are is an annual event celebrating awards conferred by the Academy's Board of Governors: the Irving G. Thalbert Memorial Award, the Gene Hirschholt Humanitarian Award. And the honorary award recipients are announced each summer and honored at a dinner gala. Highlights from the event are incorporated into the year's Academy Awards show. So basically, Oh, like, it is just those four, then okay. Um, but not only that, like it's not the, the wider Academy, it's just the governor Gotcha, sport. yeah. So, mm, right, and so like, I'm being voted and on. And this was everyone. like
0: a, a casting person who was getting noticed, yeah, yeah, a yeah. um, found her a producer, found her within seconds, yeah, yeah.
2: But good for her, by the way, yes, why, why shouldn't,
0: but, although that, that poor woman, uh, had as Danielle pointed out. Uh, her husband or somebody is uh, shooting it uh, on their phone. Oh, so boy. while it's happening, he's there and the camera's here. So he basically blocks the camera view the whole time with his while he's doing it. And yeah, Daniel's got, like, "Thanks for ruining her, her her spot, dude." And it, it, <laughs>
1: there are professionals here to, to film this. Well, like,
0: yeah, you can. Do you, you see the guy with the with the camera <laughs> on his shoulder behind yeah. you? Got behind you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, watch it. It's great. Okay, cool. I recommend everybody to, to watch it. And it will wow. <laughs>
2: was Matt was it you who told us about that that sort of like 1960s like event at like Paramount or something where they're there there's some kind of dinner and they're walking around with oh yes yes it,
1: it was kinda- that was the it was the MGM like 25th anniversary yeah, yeah, yeah. banquet or something. Yeah. And yeah.
2: so all the, it, it was because of what's his, butt the uh, comedian that you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, Buster Keaton yeah. was doing a bit at the table. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it, this thing kind of has that feel to me, like a modern oh, cool. version of that. Cause it just seems like, like they're all at these rows of tables and, and it, you know, it wasn't, it's not like the golden globes where there's a big there's all those round tables and it seems like you're at a dinner. This was like, cafeteria style
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it was very much it was Weird. very much a uh a, a corporate gig it, yeah. you know very uh and it it had a looseness that I quite frankly I think every award show could use mm-hmm. it, uh, mm-hmm. it 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 made people human it um uh which you know the award. I mean clearly that's not the point of the Emmys or the Oscars but uh, you because know, we're supposed to see them as you know better than us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they are, Jimmy. Oh, sure, they are. They just we're watching it just, just there to oh, remind you. We're lucky to be in their in their universe. Now, let me ask you a question, Matt Bellnap. you mm-hmm. saw the Mean Girls play yep. on Broadway, the actual yep. li- the live production, yep. and then you said it, it... saw it twice. I saw it in New York, and I saw it here okay. when I was touring. Yeah, and then you saw the movie as you just mentioned with Zoe, and you said that it uh, worked out for you.
1: Well, it, it worked out in the sense that I was interested in seeing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't work out from the perspective of me enjoying it. But. Oh, well, that's where I would disagree with you. Oh, you liked it? I loved it. Oh, cool. Absolutely
0: loved it. But I did not see the stage. Uh, yeah, the,
1: I, I was hyper aware of, like, I can't stop just comparing this to a thing that I, that I really love. And, and, and two things I really love, because I love the original movie, too. But if you're if you saw the original movie a long time ago or you don't remember it very well, or or maybe you never saw it. And and if you didn't see the musical, if you're not familiar with the songs ahead of time, then like my mom saw it too and she loved it. And so, um, I think it's, it was just a thing of like, I can't stop comparing it to a thing. Uh, and it's, it, it's not, uh, it's not living up to, and I didn't expect, I wasn't like, Oh, this is going to be great. I, I kind of sensed that maybe it wasn't going to be
0: what I wanted it to be. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, we loved it. Yeah, the whole house loved it. Cool. Yeah, we very much enjoyed it, and uh, uh, the uh, all the uh, people did a great job, mm-hmm. and uh, Tim Meadows did his thing, which I always enjoy. Yeah, I do love Tim Meadows. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Cool. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I And I did not like the first movie, I, I, the original. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. I think it came out at a time where it just was not for me. Right. And so I never liked it. So I, I liked this mm-hmm. a heck of a lot more than I liked the original. Wow. And, uh, and I've got some other issues with the casting and whatnot that uh, I, I, on paper, I wouldn't, I should not have liked this, but I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a great time on the Saturday night. There was a, I, I said to, uh, afterwards, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. So before the show started, the uh, before the movie started, uh, a gentleman came in with a uh, an ill-fitting t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And two other folks that were younger maybe he was the father or the grandfather even and then two younger uh, then a maybe a 20 something year old dude and then I think two girls who were younger than that and they were loud and they were annoying the fuck out of me during the trailers like <laughs> and it was like oh this is going to be you know, like. and then he chose the, the older gentleman chose to sit a seat away from the person closest to him mm-hmm. but still was sharing the popcorn and so it was want some more want some, like, and I'm like if this fucking like I'm just this is this guy it's driving me nuts. Yeah. Uh, oh, I should also point out it was not a. It, it, he sat in the seat right in front of me, mm-hmm. and then plopped into his seat, which made the seat you know recline back and hit my foot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, i nope. And I so I got up and moved to the other side of uh, of, of us. So mm-hmm. we're still three in a row. Yeah. But I moved, and so uh, and then he's talking. It's going to be a problem. And then the second the movie starts, they all shut up. And nobody enjoyed the movie more than these four people. <laughs> That's funny. This guy laughed and applaud. He applauded a scene when yeah. it started. Like he, it was. Right. And then I saw that when we were waiting for the bathroom, you uh, know, was a line for the to use the urinals. Mm-hmm. And he was a cup like it was one of those where like it it, it turns left the mm-hmm. line, so like you could see his like if I'm still behind him and he turns, I can see him. Yeah still glowing from the movie (laughs) enjoyed it the man enjoyed his evening yeah and uh, but again on paper uh, I was about to get security right that's how much the guy was on my nerves
1: well what I had a not the same experience but it it reminds me of my experience where you know Zoe and I were sitting there waiting for it to start and then you know there's 25 minutes trailers as usual, and uh, we had terrible seats. We were like second row, all the way to the side. Uh, not, it not was that crowded. Not in front. Yeah, there was like the opening weekends, okay. um, but like not those, not those seats that are in front of the aisle that no one, no human should have to. Was sit it those in. It wasn't green. those two? Wasn't those? But it was like the first row after that, and all the way to one side. And you know, with a big screen, that's kind of awkward. Anyway, we're sitting there, and I was like, well, at least uh, the seat next to me won't be taken because there's no one here. And I was like, maybe we could move a little more central. And then like literally like two and a half minutes into the actual movie, like the movie has started. These people come in and then the woman just takes, I don't know if it was a girl or a woman. She's just like plops her bag down. Now I got to get my phone out of my bag. Now I got to do all my things on my phone. Now I got to get my popcorn. And she just like took forever to yeah. settle. And I was like, you don't even go here to, to quote mean girls. <laughs> like you don't belong in this theater. Uh, I, I feel like, you're you don't know what this is. You're you you're are, you're mistaken. Like this, you're not gonna. You, you didn't. You don't care enough about this to even be here on time. Rest of the movie, singing along to every song. Oh, yeah, right. Like yeah. she already knew. Like right. she was obviously a huge fan of the musical. So I was like, okay, fine. You're, just got you're there a little late. You're a fan, but you still got on my fucking nerves and kind of ruined it for me.
0: Whenever those people do that, and it happens more often than I would like, when you see they come in, they plop down, and they're making a scene. They come in like with either the movie is just starting, and that's when they decide to show up, or the you know the uh, like at Cinemark. You know, it goes from trailers to at Cinemark. You yeah. could, and it's during that it's like now you show up, <laughs> and or again when it's already, and then they come in and it's they 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 go to their middle seat. You know, and they they plop down and it's a big scene. And the whole time I'm hoping, please be in the wrong theater, please be in the wrong <laughs> theater. And, and sure enough, sometimes it, uh, they right. oh, and then they get up and they move out and say, like, oh good, now I don't have that energy in this room with me. Yeah, the entire time, scram, latecomer. Well, it kind not of not a, a fan. I feel like people
1: are playing a game that the only, there's no winner and the only loser is you. Wh- the game is, let's see if we can walk in there without having seen anything but the actual movie. And the thing is, a lot of times the trailers are 28 minutes, of, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's 18. And so you just fucked yourself. Like, stop trying to beat the system and just get in there and d- watch a couple trailers. The trailers are not the worst thing in the world. The, the problem isn't the trailers, it's how many and how long it goes on. But, I like, I like watching trailer. I like, I like knowing what's coming out and it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if this ever happened where you grew up, but, and, and I feel like I've, I've even seen it here a little bit, but less so in LA because people are more like, I care about movies, but there was this thing that used to happen that I noticed a lot in Boston and where I grew up, where people would, they, the movie would be happening, you'd be, you know, and it would start to come to the end. And then some, that like the 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 conflict would be resolved, but the movie's not over yet. Like there still has to be some denouement, and these people just get up and leave as as if they're like they wanted to prove to the crowd. I know it's over. I understand what stories, how stories go, and this is over now. So I'm like, just fucking watch the entire thing. What is what are you getting out? Like what are you? Who are you winning? Who are you beating? I don't understand that at all. Yeah, it, it happened quite, quite a bit. I don't understand that. When you sat through the go? whole thing and you're like, "Nope, we get it. We understand how how movies are and this is clearly over. Don't make me look at words on a screen. That's the last thing I want to yeah, experience."
0: That's interesting.
1: Maybe they just didn't want to like be reminded that they're illiterate. <laughs> no, that could be <laughs> so the problem. So just,
0: yeah. get the hell out of there. You uh, never experienced that? Uh, I, if I have I don't remember it to be honest yeah, with you like or it I do that <laughs> uh, I do I do To, to you, I am a guy that when I go to alone I will play I, I, I am a guy who is trying to time it right mm-hmm. when that Cinemark thing comes on because yeah. I, uh, I as I get older I do not like trailers mm-hmm. loved them as a kid don't care about them at all now. Well, you go to a lot
1: of movies, so you see the lot of, like, hey, did you know that there's a Bob Marley movie coming out, Jimmy? I didn't know
0: that. <laughs> uh, hopefully it'll come out around the same time as Argyle, so I can get an idea of those
1: two I have, films. I have seen that fucking Bob Marley trailer since July. I've been seeing it. Well, Every movie I go since to. Since
0: before they had a release date. Since before yeah. it was like in
1: 2024, it would say. I, I didn't, I actually was like, I couldn't remember that part, but I was like, did it get pushed back? And that's why it seems so Mm-mm. interminable. I hope it never comes out and they just keep showing the trailer <laughs> for the rest movie.
0: of our lives. Oh. That's all they shot. It's a long con. Yeah. It's like an AMC
3: presents. <laughs> yeah. It,
0: uh, uh, that said, I think I don't know anything about Bob Marley. That is not my music, but it, I, I wanted to see that movie so that I could learn. And uh, it seems like a better way for me to learn than read a full book on that because right. I, do, I don't have an interest in doing that.
1: I would watch a documentary. I don't know. I, I, I get the strong like cookie cutter biopic vibes off of that trailer. It just feels like it's going to be.
0: But again, I don't know anything about it. So yeah, cookie cutter no, works
1: for me. But it's just going to follow every other. <laughs> well, is, his life is pretty interesting. It's, so maybe it won't be the same as every other thing. But
0: We'll find out. That's all we can do is find out. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. Yeah. Uh when we come back, uh Cliff Nesteroff is here, mm-hmm. uh author, journalist. I guess he's got probably a third thing, but I can't think of it at the moment. Nice man. How about consulting that? Consulting producer maybe? Consulting producer? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's got a lot to he's got a lot to talk about. He's got a lot of, on his resume. I believe he worked on the um Albert Brooks documentary yes, that he we did.
1: were raving about a few weeks ago.
0: 100%. Uh he was uh, definitely a consulting producer on that. And uh, so, uh, along with our friend Wayne Fetterman. Yes. So uh, hopefully, maybe maybe they went outside and had a fight. I'd like <laughs> to see these, those two tall. I, I, I assume met. Cliff is tall. I, I've met Cliff a couple times, but he was always seated. Oh. So we'll find out together. if uh, Interesting. He's tall when he walks in. Yeah. be According to, him. I mean, everybody's taller than me, but uh, except for real Perlman, I and mean, she could suck it. I'm tired of her. And shit. Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito, the two of them. I remember seeing them at a movie theater once, the two of them, and I could not believe how tiny they were.
3: When he was on stage with the Sonny cast, I was shocked. I thought I was watching Willy Wonka. It's he looked like an Oompa Loompa just compared to those guys. They are huge. Yes, I did not know he was that short. I was shocked.
1: That's he kind of the main short. thing about
3: him, isn't it? I know he was short, but not but. But not that, that short. short. It is. Well, it he's is getting older. To...
1: I think you shrink a little that's when you true. get older. That's
3: can You true. shrink when you're that. You're already that.
1: <laughs> what is, you're so already a weeble. How he, can you get shorter? He and Rhea Perlman are no longer married.
0: No, it? they hate each other. But he referenced her from stage. With, with this, to, to, to make fun of her. <laughs> no, he was saying she had won an Emmy. <laughs> right. But he said it in a way that just was hurtful.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I, mean, I, hate, I hate that. I hate that that's true, that they're not together anymore. I, I wanted them to be together forever.
3: I don't think they're divorced, though. I think they're. Just not, what together?
1: That's even more confusing.
3: It's it's a weird. Need, they've been not been they've not been together for like seven years
0: now, right? It's been a I, while.
1: I need them to to wrap this up one way or the other. Let's let's, <laughs> let's you, reconcile or divorce.
0: You think they'll have trouble finding love uh, elsewhere? Because I mean, they found each. I just
1: I, mean, I feel like other. we're in limbo. What, what, what's going on? He's still talking about her on stage. Maybe that was an attempt at getting her back. Maybe that I think was it a, was. She wasn't of, having it.
3: As of a People magazine article in June. She says, "Danny DeVito are still married despite split years ago. We're very good friends.
0: They get along. Good for them. They deserve it. They go to their little club or whatever they do. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we got Oliver's trivia question. We got uh, we're going to dive in deep into comedy with Cliff. Yeah. We got a, we got a heck of a lot more. Let's uh, we'll do all that right after this."
1: Wild animal
0: vet yeah, you could be visiting a, a soldier. Oh, OK. Uh, I, I think people I, I think they like the sound of pet vet. It does sound fun. It is fun to say. I get it. Uh, but nobody's pointing out that they're at the pet vet for fun. So uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. Where are they being uh,
1: capricious or uh, silly with their very you know, serious issue? You know, capricious, say.
0: <laughs> uh, now, listen, this is here's the important thing That's what they're saying. They say it like that? Yeah. They, I would think there'd be a little more uh, excitement No, in these, these are people that uh, you, you know, when they're giving a testimonial, they're caught off guard and they're,
1: then they are not comfortable in front of a microphone. They're, exactly. they're right. professional these are not professional. Like we are yeah, they 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 sound stilted, but that's real, that's genuine.
0: Thank you. Man, again, it gives them peace of mind. <laughs> uh hey, download earning today that is spelled E A R N I N, that's in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in never not funny under podcast, please. When you sign up, it'll help the show. Let's POS, like what? That's yeah. A,
1: they didn't know either, and you didn't know how to tell them. Uh,
0: well, no, because I was on the wrong side of history on that as well. Yeah. But point of sale is what POS stands for when we're talking Shopify.
1: I'm excited because we've set up our own Shopify account to uh, handle our uh, our perks. You know, we were sending out uh, T-shirts and, and yearbooks to our
0: Hey, buddy! Welcome back to the program, episode thirty-three uh, twenty-one of the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny. We're having a conversation with Cliff, Nest- Cliff Nesteroff off the air. Uh, Cliff, I've got issues with that name, and you know I do. I, I'm not. Uh, we talked before you even got here. I don't like the K. I don't like the PH. I yeah. don't like anything about it. Yeah. And I and that last name is a, is a zoo for my mouth. I'm just. Uh,
4: I'm rattled by the whole thing. You know, it's very common that people start a podcast and welcome Cliss. It's, <laughs> it, it happened again. It always happens. Some people say Clit, which is, you have to stop recording. You start over. Yeah. It's just a, a nightmare. So I'm, I understand and I'm sympathetic.
0: Who's the idiot that would say Clit? Who's that moron that we talked to? Marin? <laughs>
4: uh, no, I can't remember. Who. It's some cockamamie nobody podcaster. Most well, then you shouldn't be doing those. I, I don't. Good for you. <laughs> I'm done. Right. You're good for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, now, your lesson. Now you got the new book out. It's your third book. Yes. Uh, it's called Outrageous: uh, A History of Show Business uh, of Showbiz and the Culture Wars. Uh, but I also want to talk. You. You also wrote the Comedians, and uh, we had a little uh, real estate problem, which I did not read, but sounds really interesting. Uh, the Comedians is wonderful, and in fact, I just had a. Over the weekend, uh, we do a thing uh, at certain levels of uh, almost like the Patreon tiers sort of thing, but our own version of it. Uh, There is a tier where uh, you get a yearly Zoom call with me, and I had one on Saturday. I had a bunch on Saturday, and one of them was a guy who referenced your book and uh, was like, hey, in Cliff's book, blah, 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 like this guy was a a student of stand-up, which I thought was great, and... uh, I, I very rare, i very rare I said, you know what since you paid the money for the zoom, spoiler alert clips gonna be on the program on, yeah, so uh uh, there's a guy that read the book, and the book is is wonderful and uh and he's just a layperson, so it's for everybody is my point,
4: yes, yeah, no that that book was popular. my second book was uh uh, my first book was popular with old dudes, mostly. The comedians? Yeah, and then my second book was popular with young women. I don't know why. The second book is
0: about—tell everybody what, they, what uh, we had a little uh, real estate problems about.
4: Well, it's it's about—there's there's this cliche that comedy comes from pain, you know, mm. and I always wondered if that was true, then why were there more, like, Native American comedians? Mm. And so the book sort of explores why there aren't and how there now are this sort of— uh, new uh level like reservation dogs is like a big hit and it's a comedy and mm-hmm. so i sort of track that but the first half is sort of a, a biography of uh charlie hill who was like the only native american stand-up for a uh, generation Gar- gary uh, mule deer not native american white guy wait what
0: yeah i'm learning that for the first time mm-hmm. here today yeah gary mule there's like the uh, like the indian with the trash Mm-hmm. Uh, who cries at the at litter?
4: <laughs> also, not a not a Native American. Not Native American. Wow. Yeah, Iron Eyes Cody really pushed that though. He was like, "Yes, I am uh, a Native dude and and whatever." But and, uh, and Gary would cop to it. Yeah, Gary. I asked him once, uh, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, no, I just changed my name to that because I'm from North Dakota." And he would do a thing in his act. He said, "I'm going to tell some Indian stories," whatever that means. Yeah, Today, that's like going. a red flag. I'm like, well, I don't know if <laughs> yeah. you should, Gary. <laughs> whatever that means. But no, he's just a, a white
0: dude. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I, 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 trusted the name. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I trusted the he's name. He's a funny
4: guy, though, Gary Mule Deer. He's sort of uh, underrated, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I. I I I need to re I know there's a documentary that just may or have yeah. just came out on him. I or? think
4: it did just come out. I don't know like where you see it, but uh, I think it's one of those YouTube ones. I, I, I think based on. But I know that like David Letterman is in it and Steve Martin is in it. Like those dudes like respect Gary Mule Deer, right? You know, and uh, I don't know if they wrote with him in the '70s, but he was older than all those guys. He started stand up before comedy clubs. He was like one of the reasons he he had like a, a guitar a lot of the times because he started in folk clubs, right? And then, uh, in fact, he started at a place called Leadbetter's in Westwood, which became later the Westwood uh, Comedy Store. Oh. So he was performing there before it was the comedy store, and he used to perform at the Improv before it was the Improv, when it was called the Ash Grove, also a folk club. So both of those comedy clubs were originally like Hmm. folk era, but Gary Muldeer was from that era. He's older than... Interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: Now, what uh, I should also point out, and this is the word I was trying to look for earlier when Mm -hmm. I said there were three things... uh, uh, comedy historian is what Cliff is, yeah. and that's just a, a, an encyclopedia yeah. of knowledge. Uh, I first had learned of Cliff when you had a you had a website, I guess, that you would put up interviews with yeah. with older uh, performers, actors, and comedians, and so on. Yeah. And uh, I just assumed because of the the subject matter of your interviews, that you were a 97-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. So when I met you at Wayne Fetterman's that uh, that time, which I believe was the first time we met, but I think you claim we met at Kona once, but I don't recall that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, he goes, oh, my, my buddy Cliff Destrov is there. I go, oh, great. And I expected this old man to come doddering out. It was you. Yeah. Uh, why did you, I mean, I, I know why I do, and maybe it's the same reason, but you seem much younger than me, uh, have a love for that era of comedy. I mean, you seem to, like and then I, I apologize, I'm jumping around, answer this if you would, and then go back to the, the book about, uh, and why women seem to be uh, focused on that second book of yours. Uh, why the love of that era of comedy, the classic comedians?
4: Well, just accidentally, you know, when I was living in Canada, I started doing stand-up in Toronto in late 1998. Okay. I moved to Vancouver in 2001, and I did it there until 2006. Um, But because I was into comedy, I was like going to record stores, I'd find comedy records, Smothers Brothers, whatever, and I'd buy them. And so it was through those comedy records that I started to get like context for the history of comedy I, there was a record store that was going out of business when I moved to Toronto called Peter Dunn's Vinyl Museum they had thousands and thousands of records and because they were going out of business everything was like a dollar and they had all of these comedy records from people I'd never heard of and most of them when I'd flip them over it would say recorded live in Miami Beach recorded live in Miami Beach and they're all from the early 60s and I was like what What's going on in Miami Beach? <laughs> yeah, Why yeah, are yeah. all the. Com- and they're all really obscure. And some of them would say adults only. And you would listen to it and they'd use words like knockers. She had big <laughs> knockers. And it'd be like, not for radio play, you know? And so I just found that all so intriguing and fascinating. So that's where the interest started. It wasn't okay. even that I found these people particularly funny. Right. I just found them fascinating. There was a record I found by a real obscure guy named Alan Gale. And it said, uh, recorded live at Jack Silverman's International Celebrity Club. And it it doesn't even open with comedy. It opens with like a, a fanfare of a band and a big drum roll. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your entertainer. Alan Gale, and he has bump, bum, da, 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 and he goes, "Oh, wonderful audience, wonderful audience! Bottle of champagne for this table right here. Bottle of champagne, bottle of champagne for this table right here." And it's like he's not doing any jokes, but this is how he opened his act. Right. I just found it completely fascinating. Sure. You know, it sounded like a real-life Tony Clifton type of lounge act. Right. And so that's where my fascination came from. I was like, "Who are these people, and what is this universe?" And so the first person that I ever interviewed for that website who I tracked down was a guy named Woody Woodbury. Mm. And he had like 20 comedy records and they were in every record store. And uh, he had, I don't think I'd ever seen them on TV or in a movie or anything. And I found a very uh, low budget like Angel Fire website that looked very bad and low-fi, but with an email address and I emailed him. And he was in his 80s and he, and he said, yeah, we'll do an interview. And so I talked to him over the phone, I interviewed him. And while I had him on the phone, I went through my record collection. I'd be like, who's Alan Gale? You'd go, oh, Alan Gale was older than grass. I'd be <laughs> like, well, who's, who's this guy, Harvey Stone? Worst nose job in showbiz. Like, he knew <laughs> every guy. Right? And all the stories were interesting. And so I found out, or I discovered that these guys' lives were sort of interesting and funny, even when their act wasn't. And right. Jack Carter is the best example of that. Yes. never laughed at his act. Ever. <laughs> Everything he said to me off stage, hilarious. On stage, he was like a gentleman going, you know, he would close with a song, you know, I love to entertain, without you I'm nothing. And then he would get off stage and go, those motherfuckers gave me nothing. Like he would just like <laughs> rant and rave. And his anger off stage was so funny, and it was the exact opposite of his on stage right. persona. So, I mean, that's sort of how it got into it.
0: Uh, speaking of Jack Carter, I alluded that we were having a conversation off the air before we uh, got back in. Uh, but you were recording. Mm-hmm. so we're gonna, we're gonna we'll tag that at the end yeah uh, uh we started talking about jack carter and i've told the story about me at the bud freeman roast yeah which i may have told on the show before but i don't know if i told it in that kind of detail i don't before. think
1: you ever yeah there was part uh, of it that i didn't, wasn't familiar uh with.
0: but i i'm to the point now that I, I just don't care yeah and uh i may have been uh, saving some of the stories i've been maybe pulled my punches on that story in the past of not uh, revealing what everybody had said uh but it um Uh, It'll be at the end uh, of this episode. We'll tag that on with the... uh,
4: That's uh, incredible that you got to experience that, though, the fact that Red Buttons and Jan Murray and Jack Carter are still alive. And you have like... Well, this is 20 years ago. But that's still kind of cool that you straddle these two generations Mm -hmm. uh, uh, right at the tail end of those guys' uh, careers, basically.
0: And and, and, and spoiler people know a little bit of the story. The the great part about it, again, and I I, I mentioned this before, was That they bonded with me, like Mm -hmm. they they liked my style of comedy, which really was flattering to me because I grew up watching those guys and kind of emulated that style of comedy. Mm -hmm. Certainly at that time, maybe not so much anymore, but certainly twenty years ago, I kind of had that, you know, the uh, kind of the Rat Packy vibe to me, or the the old, you know, uh, uh, you know, Norm Crosby's comedy shop sort of, you know, uh, vibe, which is painfully unfunny. But uh, but I love Norm as so when he. Uh, embraced me that night, and to your point of straddling both, of having both Bob Saget and Norm Crosby say that you know you're the funniest guy that I've seen in ages, like meant the world to me. Yeah, and uh, and red buttons that night was, and I've told this before, and I I apologize to the listener variant. So he went last, and earthquake, you know the comedian earthquake, uh, he was on the dais, and earthquake, uh, so everybody's making jokes about uh, one of my jokes was something about Roseanne. And then, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I just got to fuck Roseanne. And then Tom's like, well, I can give you her number. And so then other guys then t- called back to that. And Earthquake did a thing about how he um, uh, he just fucked Roseanne. He was just, he's sorry, he whose lady He just fucked Roseanne or whatever. Are. So then Red Buttons, again, dying. He's dying in mm-hmm. front of our eyes. <laughs> gets on, you know, he said, please welcome me, Red Buttons. And he gets up and, and we're like, well, what's this going to be? Yeah. And he's killing like his jokes are phenomenal he's you know he never got a dinner he's doing all that stuff is classic and then he gets to the, he gets uh, he goes down and he goes an earthquake is here and he goes i just learned i fucked a guy who fucked roseanne <laughs> and the place goes i mean it, it was an explosion of and like saget and me like we couldn't stay in our seats like we wanted to jog around the room <laughs> That's the energy that that joke gave us because nobody saw that joke coming yeah so wonderful yeah. and uh and uh and he just, every time he would get a big laugh from me and Saget and Kindler, he would just, he would turn to his wife and he'd go, the young guys love me, honey. And <laughs> he meant it. Like it truly meant yeah. something to him yeah. that we that we were enjoying. And we weren't faking it. He was wonderful. Yeah. And I w- was never a huge Red Buttons fan,
4: but I was after that night. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't really have context for most of these guys till I started looking into like their yeah. careers. Red Buttons in the early 50s became the hottest comic on TV for one season. It went straight to his head. Oh, yeah? He fired everybody. He, he, there was a ad taken out in Variety as a joke at Christmas time, and it said, Merry Christmas, Red Buttons, from your writers. And it was a photo of 300 dudes. Oh, wow. All of who had been fired. And he did. He had fired Larry Gelbart. He fired Neil Simon. He told them all that they weren't funny, and they are giving him shit when he went out on stage. But the, his show was number one in the ratings the year it premiered. He fired everybody, hired a whole new staff, and then it was, like, the bottom of the ratings in the second season wow. and then canceled. But it went straight to his head. And then he was, like, real sheepish and apologetic after that to everybody, trying to, like, ingratiate himself now because he had no TV show. Then he got cast in a Marlon Brando movie, Sayonara, and he won an Academy Award. Right. And then it went straight to his head again. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't learn. Uh, he doesn't learn. Yeah, and so none of the comics could get a hold of him. He wouldn't return their call. <laughs> <laughs> but it, i love that fact that you know comics don't really change you still encounter people like that you sure know, in stand-up and so they're real stand-up comics even though sometimes it's hard to relate to their material or find it that funny today you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah it uh and and i it was interesting going back to your website i loved going there because again you interviewed all these people that mm-hmm. were that meant something to me and i'm sure a lot of comics from my generation yeah. although you know, not everybody but uh who were some other highlights from from that era that maybe didn't make the co- the comedian's book or uh, that? Uh...
4: Well, there were certain people that just talked and talked and talked. Some people were a hard interview or a bad interview. Marty Allen from Allen and Rossi sure. was a terrible interview for me because usually I would like do deep research first and then I would like spring it on them. Be like, "You played the uh, uh, the Colony Club in Dallas in 1949 with the Demarco sisters," and then the phone would be silent and the old comic would be like, "Yeah." Yeah, I did. That was a a nightmare. I haven't thought about that in 80 years. How did you know that? But with Marty Allen, I was like, uh, you were in a couple of comedy teams before Steve Rossi. You were in a comedy team with a guy named Tiny Wolf. He goes, yeah, so what? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I go, well, what could you tell me about that? He goes, it's just a guy. Wow. I go, and you were in 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 another comedy team with a guy named Mitch DeWood. He goes, "Uh uh-huh, Mitch, yeah. I go, what do you remember about that? He goes, it, 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 who cares? I was like, this is not going well. Wow. <laughs> but other guys were like real gregarious. There was a guy named Will Jordan who um, his only claim to fame is that he's the first guy to do an impression of Ed Sullivan. Oh. And the Ed Sullivan impression in the 50s was like the Jack Nicholson impression in the 80s or right. the Christopher Walken impression today. Mm-hmm. It was the hack impression everybody mm-hmm. did. But he was the first guy to do it. And it made him famous. And he was bitter. I was probably talking to him in like 2009, 2010, and he was bitter to that day. He goes, everybody ripped me off. Everybody stole my Ed Sullivan. It ruined my life. It ruined my career. Why did Jackie Mason have to do it? He didn't have to do it. Why did Jack Carter have to take my Ed Sullivan? He had enough talent. He didn't have to take And I would rant and rave for hours, and I would just keep it recording. And I remember once I was interviewing him. We were two hours in, and I had to go to the bathroom, so I was going to suggest that we pick it up later. I couldn't interject. I couldn't, <laughs> so I just kept it rolling. I went to the bathroom. I was gone for like 10 minutes. I came back to the phone. He goes, and Jack Carter didn't have to do it. Like He's still going on, But he had an incredible memory. Those were the best interviews. These guys in their 90s, they knew every detail, every date, every club. Wow. I could ask them about any obscure act. They had a story to go with it. A lot of their stories were salacious. They're like, yeah, he was... Uh, I'm sure, as you know, he was homosexual. I go, no, I didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I did know that, but tell me. Keep Mm -hmm. telling me more. You know, they give me all these great... That was the best, was when when you can get them to trash talk. You know, when Shecky Green told me that he wanted to uh, shoot Bill Maher between the eyes. I was like, god damn, that's... I'm writing that down. And did he
0: get, did I, I did not read that. Did did he give a reason for wanting to do that? Or he just finds him to be a, a-
4: Shecky Green was ranting about modern comedians. He goes, these comedians today that like a Bill Maher, he's so arrogant. He's so smug, you know. He's there's no comedy there. John Stewart, now this kid. He's he's got comedy in him. But Bill Maher, there's no comedy there. I'd like to shoot him in the eyes, that arrogant prick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Love it. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. So I just loved You know, it was just like talking to your friends who were comics. They still had that same attitude. Some of them were really funny. Most of them were way funnier in conversation than they ever were on TV.
0: Do you think that's because they relied on writers and that they weren't really they were just kind of the vessel more than they were showing the funny in their bones, or maybe
4: yeah? I mean, why do you think that is? Most of them did have writers, but also there was this idea of what a comedian was on TV. You know, you had to be super professional, no swearing. You weren't, you know, you weren't attacking politics, religion, sexuality—all the common, most common stand-up subject matter today was like taboo in the '50s and '60s when these dudes were working, and you right. had to be the performer. Almost all of them did a song in their act yeah. that was not a funny song. Right. It was like uh, there's footage of Jack Carter rehearsing at the Cave nightclub in Vancouver before the show. The CBC made a little mini documentary. Uh, it was like the day in the life of a band leader and they fall around the band leader from the nightclub and Jack Carter happens to be in town that uh, that day. And so you see this film footage of him rehearsing with the orchestra in those days, a comedian had to rehearse with an orchestra before yeah. the, the show. And he's singing uh, a famous song by Anthony Newley called uh, There's Always a Joker, which I think Judy Garland made famous. And there's always a joker in the pack. There's always a funny man there, but they don't realize that. You know, and it's about hit- tears of a clown. <laughs> <Right. you know?
1: laughs>
4: but it, he would close with that song and then it would lead to this big standing ovation you know if you couldn't close big on a joke you did a song right you know? mm-hmm. but that was the expectation in those days so i think that's sort of why it's just a different format completely but in conversation there was no taboo on four letter words these shucky green complained to me that uh, comedians were too dirty for using four-letter words these uh, days. But he goes, these fucking comedians using four-letter <laughs> words. Like, God damn it, these cocksuckers with the dirty language. I'm like, you just said fuck, cocksucker? Like every, yeah. every taboo word, he's saying it in conversation. But they're upset if you use it on, on the stage. Uh,
0: it uh, And Shecky Green just
4: passed away last week, right? Or, yeah. Like, two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Day, yeah. Shecky Green and Tommy Smothers. And the second interview I ever did with anybody in that realm was Tommy Smothers. He was doing, they had built a new casino in Vancouver in like 2005 or six. And they would book these old acts like the Smothers Brothers and Don Rickles. And because it was a new casino, they weren't selling out. So whoever was in charge of the casino would contact all the local comics and say, hey, do you want to come to the show for the free? Fill the seats. You can go backstage and meet Rickles and meet the Smothers Brothers. Oh, so wow. I did. I was still doing stand up at the time. So I got to meet uh, Tommy Smothers and I. You know, I asked him, I had this comedy record by a guy named Murray Roman, very obscure comedian, another weird comedy record I just found randomly, had a kaleidoscopic cover, five photos of this guy with like tinted sunglasses, and the liner notes were by Tommy Smothers, and it was a weird com- comedy record. You could tell it was an older guy trying to cash in on Lenny Bruce. You knew he, he was not... Young. But he's like, hey man, you know, you know what's groovy when you're when you're smoking banana peels, you know. It was like real contrived. But then at each punchline, echo would come in. The punchline would have an echo, <laughs> what? and then music would come in, and then the music would fade out, and he'd go on to the next joke. So it was this bizarre, what? psychedelic comedy record, but the liner notes were by Tommy Smothers. So when I met him backstage at the casino, I was like, I got this record by this guy, Murray Roman. He goes, oh, yeah, he was a writer for us on the Smothers Brothers show, but he, he died young in like a car accident. You know, He was an opening act for The Who, briefly. Oh, my goodness. So that was, you know, kind of cool. And so I contacted Tommy Smothers a couple weeks later and I said, hey, I was thinking I would write something about Murray Roman. Sounds like an interesting history. So I interviewed Tommy Smothers over the phone. And then towards the end of the interview, he goes, you know, Cliff, you know, who would know more about this than me is Steve. Have you talked to Steve? I go, Steve? Who's Steve? He goes, Steve Martin. Him and Murray Roman used to write together on the Smothers Brothers show. I go, no, I haven't talked to Steve Martin.
0: (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, I went to him and then (laughs) I come to you second. Right.
4: So Tommy Smothers goes, well, I'll call him. I'll tell him to call you. I go, okay, sure. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm 26 years old. I'm a bum in this, Mm -hmm. uh, in in my apartment in Vancouver. My phone rings an hour later. Cliff? Yes. Steve Martin. What the shit? (laughs) Tommy Smothers told me to call you. And so I talked to Steve Martin for a half an hour about Murray Roman. And then at the end of the call, he goes, so who else are you writing about? I'm really into those old comedians. I go, well, this person, that person. He goes, you ever heard of Jackie Vernon? I go, I love Jackie Vernon. Steve Martin and I start trading like Jackie Vernon quotes. <laughs> right. And he gave me his email and we stayed in touch all of these years. Really. And my new book, Outrageous. There it is. The first blurb on the back cover is Steve Martin. And that's why. It's because Tommy Smothers put us in contact Unbelievable. almost 20 years ago. Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a big signifier not to get flaky about it. But it was like, maybe that's a sign that what I'm doing here is a thing to pursue because Steve Martin's into it. Yeah. And and Tommy Smothers and all these other people are giving me these great stories. So that's, that's, and then I quit standup maybe a year later.
0: And then just devoted your time to uh, doing it. And when you would interview them up in Vancouver, would they, would the interviews like be in the local paper or? No,
4: no. Just over the phone. And then I put them on a, on a blog spot. Just the blog. Okay. That's it. What young people called, call old internet. Yes. Put it on (laughs) the old internet.
0: Yeah. um i and again that's where i found him and uh, in fact my friend jim newman you know jim mm-hmm. uh, maybe you've crossed paths with jim newman because he is a, a, a historian on old television and comedy as well um and he would I, I forget i mentioned somebody i'll never remember who it was and he's like oh you got to read the interview that uh, Cliff nestrow did with him I'm like I, I don't know who that is or what you're talking yeah. about and then I, that's how i found your website whatever that whoever it was yeah and then that then i did a deep dive yeah this was like 20 years ago whenever it was right like
4: yeah. I told you, I think I told you, the first time I ever saw you perform. You, no, I don't know this. I, I'd like I, to hear it now. Let's, I, I hope. didn't know who you were at that point. I don't know that this podcast had started yet, or maybe it had just started. Okay, But you were in Vancouver, and they had uh, hired you to do, I guess, four match games yeah, yeah, yeah. up there at the Comedy Festival. I had just quit stand-up, but I could still go to all the shows for free. and So I went to all those shows, and every person that was a panelist On those shows was a famous star like it was bob odenkirk or janine garofalo cross maria bamford like murderer's row yeah i did not know who you were yet so you were the unknown to me and you were the funniest person of all thank you and they had an orchestra there that nailed the music exactly yes which helps the match game Mm -hmm. thing, you know, when somebody can nail the music so it sounds exactly like 1973. Right. But you were so funny and so fast, and I came back. I was only going to watch one of those shows, but I stayed for the second one and came back the next night and watched the other two and uh, was blown away. But that was the first time I'd ever seen you. So I think that was 2006, something like that. I will never remember. When when were we doing...
0: Because we just well, we it was didn't, after the used to be start. When did it used to be open? Two thousand. Used to be
1: open in two thousand five. Oh, so it was the 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 one on Franklin. So, yeah. but you have a timeline on this? Do you think? Um, I'm trying to rem- Was that when you started doing Match Game? I can't remember if you ever did it at M Bar. I don't. Think oh no, did. we never did it at M Bar. Okay, no. So it probably w- was yeah around 2006. Well, that interview I did with you before we started the podcast was to promote Jimmy Parter Week, which included Match Game. Okay, right. I feel like it was, and we went that to might the, the Saturday show. Went to the deli on yeah. Ventura. Um Oh wait, you know, and you were no, but you were doing Jimmy Pardo's dance party. At, I guess you could have been doing both of them.
0: I don't think we would have been doing both of them.
1: Yeah. I don't. Either way, it. Uh, yeah. But that. You mean this?
0: That is in Jimmy Pardo's Dance Party Pilot 4,000 times. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know you had that over there. I didn't know we had it either. I love that you do. Yeah. That's fun. I remember uh, seeing
4: those shows, though, and never forgetting. You, you. As a result, and being infuriated on your behalf whenever mm. there was a, a match game revamp with a different host, Dude. I was like, "This person sucks." I like this person, but they suck at this because you had the wit. You know, you knew how to how to how to do the whole thing. You and had it if, down. first of all, you thought you were upset. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the um,
0: there's also there's already rumblings of because Baldwin's in trouble again they've already got ABC's already gotten rid of them and and there was but there was talk of like oh what, no it's all settled maybe we'll bring match game with him back well that will not happen now because of the new you know uh, the new indictment um but there's already really like well who will it be then and it's like I don't even like well it will never it's I'm not even in the conversation anymore because yeah. I'm not a movie star yeah you know it's Rob Lowe and Alec you know that's who's hosting game shows so it's infuriating to know match game will be coming back with another an uh, inadequate host. Yeah.
4: But you know what? You have a, uh, a companion in your outrage, Gene Rayburn. They brought back Match Game at some point in the 80s and 90s, and he was waiting by the phone for a phone call, like in his twilight years of his career, and they never called him, and apparently it, had, it destroyed him. Really? Because uh. they went on the air with a different Match Game host, and he goes, I'm still available. I'm not working. I'm the Match Game host, and right. he was. Yeah. And he, there, At one point, they tried to revamp the Match Game in the early Early '80s with uh, Bowser from Sha Na Na. <laughs> well,
0: Bowser hosted the ma- the Hollywood Squares part of it.
4: Yes, yes. Oh, no, and Gene Gene did do the match game. He part. was, and he was infuriated. Like, how dare I? They make me share it with this interloper right. who has never hosted a game show. And if you ever see the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, it is horrible. It's rough, and uh, it shouldn't be because it's the same format as Match Game. Why does it not work? Right. But part of it is the sharing duties of the hosts and uh, Bowser. Uh, you know, why would they choose? Was him, but I guess Sean and I was popular even then. Well, I think they're past there. But John, I mean,
0: but. John, by the way, who I love on Twitter, and he's very outspoken, yeah. and he's doing great things. He truly goes to all the different cities in this country to you know get the people to vote, yeah. and he does a great job. um One could argue because I because I listen, I had questions about Bowser hosting that for years as well. <laughs> why him? But then somebody could argue, why me? Why any comedian? Why any performer? Why? Why was it Burt Convie? Like, why? You know what I mean? So like. If, if you can use Burt Convy from Broadway, why not use
4: the guy from Na? So Well, I'll tell you, um, Peter Marshall, the ho- I got all the game show scuttlebutt. Oh, here we go. And I interviewed oh. Peter Marshall extensively. He's still alive. He started in a comedy team in the 50s oh. before he ever became a host of Hollywood Squares. Hmm. He hated Burt Convy. They had a blood feud. Really? And, yeah. and. Uh, Peter Marshall wrote a a memoir, and it's mostly laudatory, but he does trash two people. He trashes Burt Convy, and he trashes uh, Dan Rowan from Rowan and Marshall. Everybody
0: trashes, they hate him.
4: Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently, I can't remember... If it was Burt Convey who was offered Hollywood Squares or Dan Rowan, one or the other, Peter Marshall was going to turn it down. But then when he heard they were offering it to the person he hated the most, he took it (laughs) just to spite them. Right. Yeah. But he hated Burt Convey. I can't remember why, but he just... And when I asked him about it, because, of course, I read that in his memoir, and when I interviewed him, I go, Bert Convey, and he goes, ugh. I go, you, you didn't like him? No, was arrogant prick, well, talentless, just a, just a total schlemiel. He ripped off win, lose, or draw from somebody else, and you know he just went on this rant, you know, wow. which was always my favorite when yeah, I got these mm-hmm. old guys steamed. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh,
0: love it. Um, my uh, uh, Only because it came up. I, I used to, uh, when I went to high school, got off at 2 o'clock, and then play rehearsal started at 3.15. So between 2 and 3 was Tattletales with Burt Yeah. And so I would always, you know, I always got along with the teachers because I, I knew their references were more my references. So I come to play rehearsal. I got there late for whatever reason. And I said, I apologize for being late. Uh, I had to watch the end of Tattletail. <laughs> you know I love that Burt Convy. And my director, uh, Linda Deutsch was her name. And she was one of the reasons I got into acting because she was she championed me and my talents. Mm. And I never saw this kind of rage in a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you ever bring up that name in this theater again. I hate Burt Convy. Really? And I thought she's doing a bit. Like, who the fuck is mad at Bert Convey? <laughs> and how, this, do him,
1: right? like, how, do you, how do you even know him? Right? Other than on seeing him on How do you
0: even know him? Right? So I to this and you day you still don't know. I, I don't know because yeah. I never dared bring it up again. Because right. at that point, I'm still I'm not me today. A student.
1: I'm a student. You can't. just I'm not going like, to go. Hey, what well, was the fuck? Yeah.
4: What did he do to you? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, wow. So weird. So, so interesting. It turns out everybody from teachers to game
4: show hosts <laughs> hated Burt Convy. <laughs> he was producing partners with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw is produced by Burt Reynolds and Burt Convy. Burt and Burt Productions. Yeah, and a B-U-R-T. Yeah, it's strange though. Like you wouldn't think of them as friends, you know. <laughs> no,
0: but Burke Reynolds is arguably a prick, as was a prick, but as he's well. also
4: like the biggest star in the world. And Burt Convey is Burt Convey, the host <laughs> of talent. You, you would feel like that's slumming in terms of Hollywood friendships.
0: Well, let me say this to it to your point from earlier, though. Uh, uh David Letterman is very friends with Gary Mule yes, there, so yes. one could argue that's slum- you know what I mean, like, yes, yeah. all right, uh, so. You know, you're friends with the people you start with
4: or that you come up with. It. I mean, who knows? To bring it back to Jack Carter. Oh, Jack Carter's <laughs> getting more press today yeah. than he's to the Jack <laughs>
1: Carter episode. Uh,
4: tattletales. There are weeks of tattletales with Jack Carter and his wife, Roxanne. Yes. Which are hilarious because usually the couples on Tattletales, if people don't know the premise of the show, it's like celebrity couples go on the show and they are asked questions about their lives and then they try and match the, the answers. And usually they um, do this sort of like fake anger, like, you didn't know that, Mary. Oh, this marriage is over. And everybody would laugh. When Jack Carter was on there, he meant it. He'd be like, oh, God damn it. How could you not know that? And he would like pound the table with his fist and be angry and because I knew him personally I knew the rage was real Right. and during the act break halfway through every episode they would switch the wives would be backstage and the husbands would be in the front and then they would switch and they would show this moment before they went to commercial Bert Convy said we'll be right back we're going to switch partners and you'd watch the couples uh, embrace their partner as they switched over Jack Gardner's <laughs> wife never embraced <laughs> he would storm past in rage and ignore his own wife but it's just so fucking funny because you wow. knew he was really pissed, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he wasn't winning, you know. And.
0: Insane. It, that was, Tattletales was back in the days where we knew nothing about famous people. So, like, to find out, like which one of you two makes the coffee in the morning, like whereas now you know we you know uh, uh, Kristen Bell and her husband we know every goddamn thing about. Also, that, they would his name also they like, would have
4: <laughs> gay celebrities posing as straight, like Charles Nelson Riley would be on there with Joanne Worley as if they were a couple, <laughs> right? Right. but they just knew each other socially and you'd never mention that he wasn't uh, heterosexual. That was a real common thing too.
0: Yeah, weird. Living yeah. Their lives. Well, I guess I guess you could, you, you, people
4: wouldn't want to watch back in those days. But Tattletales is a fun show. It's a it very, is.
0: You're she'd root for the banana section, the
4: whole shot. And, and there's a, there's episodes with Robert Blake and his wife. Yes. Recommended Whoa. for... Uh, recommended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's wow. just all fascinating. Oh, there's also an episode with, um, I don't know if you know who this guy is, Albert Salmi. I don't know who that is. He's a is. character actor. You see his name in a lot of credits of movies in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he ended up murdering his wife. As and, well. Yeah, Murder-suicide. And I think right. there's a week with Albert Salmi and Robert Blake on the same uh, panel. Yeah. Wow.
0: yeah. Um, you've seen the meme, right? It's popping up again. The meme of uh, Howard Cosell is interviewing both O.J. Simpson and Bruce Jenner, <laughs> and it's like, it, um, it, it, uh, if uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you won't believe what's gonna happen in the future, or something like that, yeah, right. whatever. whatever. it's funnier than that. Right. But it's like a it,
4: battle of the network stars. Yeah, it's something. one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, but it's uh, it is. Uh, like, whatever the fuck the meme is, it's funny. It makes me laugh. I like to laugh at things. Um, <laughs> You're a fan of comedy. I do like comedy. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Howard Cassell, that's another guy who was like the Christopher Walken impression Yes. day. Every single comic would do a mm-hmm. Cassell. Uh, but was Billy Crystal the first? I mean, I'm not I saying... don't think so. No, think... I think those old school comics, like the Red Buttons, not him necessarily, but I think those people were doing it before.
0: Before Billy did it.
4: It's interesting to try and track who did the first of something. Like, I don't know if Kevin Pollack did the first Christopher Walken and created this monster, but uh, I think Frank Gorshin was the first person to ever do a Jack Nicholson impression. Mm. I, he's on an episode of a Sammy Davis Jr.'s variety show in like 74. He has to explain who Jack Nicholson <laughs> is oh, <that's> funny. <laughs> before he does right. the impression. Because like, Sammy asked him, like, you got any new... Uh, impressions in your repertoire and frank gorshin was the riddler on the batman Mm -hmm. show and he had all these great impressions that he did in his act burt lancaster and kirk douglas anyways he goes you got any new uh he goes yeah i'm I'm doing a new uh impression of this actor who's in a movie called uh, chinatown you may have seen his name is jack nicholson oh yes i've heard of him and then he does the first jack nicholson and it's so interesting because it doesn't sound like the cliche of the Jack Nicholson impression that we know. That became, right. Yeah, it's much more subtle. It's not as broad. And it's just sort of uh, interesting to see an impression of somebody before people start doing an impression of somebody else's impression.
1: Yeah, it was also, it was before Jack Nicholson became a parody of himself too. So like he was more subtle as an actor. (laughs) Yeah, Whereas like by the 80s, it was like the impressions were tracking along with his outsized yeah, performances. Yeah, suddenly
4: in the 80s, you just put on sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. and then the audience was like, oh, yeah. here it comes. Yeah. I, I did stand up. I opened on the road for a guy who closed with a Jack Nicholson impression in 2005.
0: Oh, that's too late for that. Yes.
4: <laughs> and, but we were on the road. I think the road in Canada is much different than the road in America. When you say you go on the road here, you know, it might be comedy clubs, might be theaters, The road in Canada means you're doing roadhouses. Well, we we did roadhouses. Yeah, Yeah, we did that stuff. It's so rough. And uh, so I would always bomb in that uh, context. And a guy who does a Jack Nixon impression always killed. Yeah. And I remember Mm. doing a show in Kelowna, British Columbia, at some hotel. And I died... And I had to sit there at the back and wait till the end of the show to get paid. So you're sitting through this guy. And he's destroying. And I have just died. And it's terrible. And he closes with the Jack Nicholson impression. He puts on the, puts on the sunglasses, turns his back to the audience, puts on the sunglasses, comes out, Everybody applauds. And this guy who was sitting in front of me at the back turns around and looks at me and goes, he's good. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh. So painful. So painful. I remember that guy, too. Had a tantrum when we checked into the hotel. I forgot. We had to drive down there together in Vancouver, from Vancouver. And uh, uh, he threw a tantrum because they... I mean, I don't blame him. I didn't want to be in the same room with it, But he. Bo- they booked us in the same oh, hotel room. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. And he had this tantrum, which... In a way, I was grateful for the tantrum because I didn't want to be in a room with him. But man, he was vicious. He started screaming at this poor desk girl, like, I don't ever stay with anybody in another You better change. Like, just fucking absolutely tore this person apart. Yeah. But that was his temperament. And our drive back, it was sort of that as well. Uh, was like, is
0: that guy still working? Do we know? Who that-
4: his name, I don't know if I should say his name. He was never famous.
0: He was you're like, sh- you're taking Jack Carter fucking down. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this guy get a free
4: pass? His name was Nelson Giles. He was a disc jockey uh, by a day and a road comic by night. He only did the road. He was one of those dudes. He could not kill in a city. Right. He could only kill on the road. And he did it all the time. I think somebody even made a really sad documentary about road comedy in Canada. And he was one of the dudes profiled. It's one of the saddest oh. documentaries um, cause him and the other two people, they, they profile, they have these great ambitions of becoming big stars. And then you just see these sad moments of them sitting in a hotel in their underwear, like staring into space, right. <laughs> playing Tabor, Alberta, some terrible farm town up North, you know, and it's like, a just devastating. <laughs> yeah Jesus.
0: It, um, uh, we used to laugh in Chicago because the, the big thing with the Nichols the Depression oppression do is the guys would always pull their hair back yeah. to get yeah. that widow's peak. Uh, there was a bald comedian in Chicago who would still <laughs> pull the. It's like, do you not understand? They're pulling the, that. They're doing that.
4: That's yeah. not something Nicholson does. Like that's how bad his
0: impression was. Right. Is that he didn't know who, like why yeah, he's did, just impersonating the other impersonations.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, they're talking about a chicken salad sandwich. They've never seen five six <laughs> pieces. Yeah.
1: They uh, remember that. Uh, the I love that Dennis Miller joke about. He used to do a bit about uh, talking about the hacky impressions of of Jack Nicholson, he said. And they always put him in the most inane situations, like, can you imagine (laughs) Jack Nicholson working in the produce section of a grocery store? No, no, you, I could imagine working in the produce (laughs) section of a grocery store. Not the greatest living actor of our time.
4: Yeah, God. There was another comedian in Vancouver. If I may, are you playing a nipkin What are you doing? Oh,
2: I'm sorry. Is that making noise? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't hear it. In it it's headphones. it's
0: like you're moving blocks around or something. It's very uh, 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 clunky. What's, what's he, what are you doing? What is
2: it? I'm just I'm I'm doing stuff with letters.
0: Okay. What is Kanipkanop? Now I need to know. is that. It knip, It's uh, some board game that uh,
2: may or may not make noise. I just, <laughs> um, it, it, no, I think okay. it does. Isn't Kanipkanop? You like but just but just so that we know, only you you could hear. I don't think it's in the microphone because I, I was listening to okay, it. In, but okay, let's, let's let's assume that's uh, the case. Yeah. Uh, it bothers you and I'm not doing I'm not still the that. guy talking having yeah, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a conversation. I'm not saying that. And just, in the background <laughs> I'm hearing... <laughs> just, just, in, just in case the, was, the listener doesn't know what you're talking about, I'm letting them know that it's probably not in the recording. Oh, you're a
1: little context. Yes. Thank you very much. I don't know. Sometimes the conversation needs a little bit of a beat. <laughs>
0: this didn't. This is a nice conversation.
1: <laughs> just something a little... Have you ever heard... Every once in a while like you hear like a, a... I forget what it was. There was a podcast... And I realized like
0: very, very
1: quietly there was music under the entire thing. No, it was terrible. Oh. But I don't know why it was happening. And I, and I actually don't know if it was intentional or not. But you might have accidentally I got, I, got, I
4: got to point out, you guys should oil the door hinges here oh, because yeah. I know listening to your show whenever somebody has walked in or out. But that's, well, intentional. I, that's, that's intentional. That's the other of the so you
0: know that So you know the door is opening. Like if it's a UPS guy or if it's somebody that uh, We had to de-oil it. <laughs> yeah, paints a picture. Of what? <laughs>
4: no. Yeah, a I picture. I listen to the Gary Goldman episode. I go, I know Gary's sitting there and they haven't introduced him yet. Because I heard... Eh, eh.
1: Well, Wait, that, really? that was probably Garen coming back in from having given him the... Because oh, that's the what that was. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, you were about to say something. I was, I there was a comic
4: in Vancouver. This is very common. You see it in comedy clubs where somebody tries to update their act. There was a guy who did an, a Kermit the Frog. That was another hack impression in the 80s. Did a Kermit the Frog Miss Piggy impression? What if Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy starred in Pulp Fiction? Oh. So he wrote this routine in 1994. <laughs> D- D- Pulp Fiction's just come out on video. What if <laughs> Pulp Fiction has just come out ten years later on DVD? What if I just saw Pulp Fiction last night on TV? You know, he would j- <laughs> right. change the so that it would seem current. And guess what? Always killed. Right. Always <laughs> killed.
0: Yeah. Who played who? Was uh
4: or Bring out the gimp, piggy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, standing I mean, ovation. That
1: is pretty good, actually. <laughs> you know what? I'm, what I'm you got to get back in the game. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you got the goods. <laughs> that comedian was me. <laughs> 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 He's like, i got to test the water, yeah. see if you guys like it, and then I'll admit.
0: <laughs> uh, what? Uh, I, I interrupted, me interrupting, uh, me as the question. Go back quickly to the second book, if you would. Yeah. Just Tell us what that's about. Uh, I mean, you did a about the advert, but why were women so... Uh...
4: I have no idea. I don't understand uh, the demographics, why or not, because I'm writing in the same style in each book. But my first book, mostly popular with middle-aged and older men, mm-hmm. I would say like 90%. The second book, mostly popular with women between 18 and 30 years of age for Eeps. some reason. Mm-hmm every man that I've encountered that I know says, I love the comedians. I haven't read your second book. Every single one. I've never <laughs> met a man who's read my second book. And then this new book, uh, nobody enjoys. So, <laughs> so I've had all three samples. Well, it's
0: for, nobody knows it's out yet, right? Is it? Uh, no, it's not. It's, it is out. Feedback's
4: not good? <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely been the most trashed of Why? anything. Why? Are, uh, what, 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 what? I don't know, but people definitely don't uh, like it. I think it's pretty damn good, but I think also. So maybe people are more vocal about things they disliked than things they do like. So maybe I'm just hearing that. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the most common description I've heard of this book so far by naysayers is Pointless. Oh. This book is pointless. <laughs> wow. Which you don't want to hear. No, you There's do not. no way yeah. to spin it in a positive You're, you way. Go, well, maybe
0: they mean. Yeah. It, they, uh, <laughs> the. Now, in fairness to people that say they read your first book and not the second one, I did not know there was a second one I didn't either. until uh, I, I quite looked up last night this is the another, title of the book. This is
4: another thing that an author does not want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you got a book out. Never heard of it. I didn't, didn't know. know about it. Yeah. yeah, that one was out for three. It came out at the height of the pandemic, so oh, that didn't okay. help. Bookstores oh, yeah. were closed. Right. There was no promotion tour. They put me on a Zoom tour. What a fucking nightmare that is. Uh. Literary events to begin with are very unshow business. If you do an event live in a bookstore, it's the fucking employee that's introducing you. They kill the energy right away. You know i'm like i could introduce myself i don't need you reading wikipedia and mumbling away from a microphone you know um but zoom is like that times a thousand you know the camera's blurry it's pointed at somebody's knees it was just fucking and they would have like a counter in the corner the amount of viewers live and it's like two viewers oh, goes down to one it's like at least <laughs> it <goes> down could <laughs> like take that off the screen so i don't have yeah, to put see it put a piece of tape over
0: that if be. <laughs> they should do that
1: you know the on youtube before the, the uh, new video just says 206 like they don't never say you have zero views it oh is that true says, says 206 to make you feel better really yeah well, isn't that true didn't... elliot i i
2: don't i don't pay attention i don't know well, well wait a minute that's i feel your, like that's I your see... world you seem to know all that well, stuff but that that one piece of the one little detail i have not uh, i feel like i see that number all the time I'm like well all these videos certainly
1: can't have 206 views like that's a weird it does number. Like really a weird bizarre thing. yeah
0: never I, heard of that um, look it up, Garen. Look it up. Uh, going back very quickly, because I want you to tell me more about how great I was up in Canada. Um, <laughs> Marsha Wallace was on that panel because we had the original from the original match game, Marshall Wallace. And, of course, from the Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, and I will not reveal who this is, but this is fun. There was uh, on the panel and they, we kind of mixed and matched uh, the two nights. Uh, Marsha Wallace did not get along with one of the panelists and called me in a hotel room wondering what to do about it. Oh wow! And uh,
4: you I, have to reveal who it is. I cannot.
0: Yes, you can. I cannot under the You air. must. I cannot. I will tell you off the air. I cannot uh, uh, tell you that as to, to the, the late great Marshall Wallace. Yeah. Uh, did not like this person, and this person uh, was uh, uh, potentially rude to Marsha and she uh, did not like it.
4: Hmm. I tried to try to reconcile or or put two people together who hated each other. Two old comics that I had interviewed. One was Peter Marshall, host of Hollywood Squares. And the person that he had a falling out with was Dick Gautier. Oh, he had played- a problem with Dick? Gautier.
0: Dick Gautier? Yeah, I didn't know he had I, that. Why would, I, I, we used to see Dick all the time playing tennis. Why, I
4: why, yeah, he played High Me the Robot on Get Smart yeah, and mm-hmm. was a character actor. And he was a regular on Tattletales as well. He and Peter Marshall were writing partners at one point. They wrote a couple screenplays together, low-budget movies, including one called Mary Jane, which is like an updated reefer madness from the late 60s. Carl Gottlieb is in it. He's the guy who wrote The Jerk with Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. He told me that he was stoned for the entire shoot. But anyways, <laughs> they wrote that movie together. And I and I asked Peter Marshall about Dick goes, you guys used. He goes, yeah, we used to be very close, and then we had a terrible falling out. We haven't talked to each other in 20 years. And I go, well, what happened? He goes, yeah, it was so long ago, I don't remember. And then I interviewed Dick Gauthier, and he, he, same thing. He said, yeah, we had a falling out. We used to be so close. We haven't talked in twenty years ago. What happened? He goes, I don't remember. And I said, can I bring you guys together? Let's settle this. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> no interest in that whatsoever. But it's just, you don't remember what happened, then just be friends again. Yeah, you would Come think. On. You would
0: think. I'm going to think both remember what happened, didn't they? Uh, Maybe were being a little diplomatic. That's yeah. my guess.
4: Could be. Could be. Yeah.
0: Um, the uh i once had gelato with dick um, and by that i mean i sat next to him while he ate <laughs> and i also and, and the whole time i'm like Holy fuck, it's sick. and i didn't really know what to say to him like i kind of i kind of locked up yeah because I, there so many of his credits went through my head that i didn't know what to talk to him about um so i probably just went good good gelato huh <laughs> <laughs> and then but i will tell you this he was doing shtick with the people behind the counter and um it came off as old dude who once had a career doing shtick. Yeah. It did not. Uh, yeah. Didn't fly. It, it, I, I got a little knot in my stomach on his behalf because it's like I loved him growing up. You know, he also played uh, Conrad Birdie. Bye-bye Birdie. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, it,
4: it reminds me of an unrelated anecdote. I interviewed or I tried to interview Mort Saul once. Okay. And somebody had given me his cell phone number. He's an old man with a cell phone, yes. so already there's a problem. <laughs> right. So I call him, and he goes, "Oh yeah, just uh, uh, just email my assistant, we'll we'll try set something up for you." And I was like, "Okay, great," and then he didn't hang up his cell phone properly oh. so i'm still on the line with Mortzall, but his phone's like in his pocket and i can hear everything he's saying so it's maybe unethical but i eavesdropped on Mortzall's day oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was ordering something somewhere i he was like in a bagel shop he goes yeah i'll get the uh poppy seed and the uh, everything bagel and then I can hear him bantering with the employee. You watched the Tonys last night? <laughs> Boy, that Neil Patrick Harris is sure something, isn't he? And like, I just kept it going. Eventually it cut out, but I I just, I could That's not, awesome. I didn't want to hang up I'm on with that. you. That's yeah, no, <laughs> too good. Got to hear what Marshall, doing. <laughs> Love
0: it. Uh, all right, Cliff, we have to do this. Ready?
4: Ready?
0: All right, for those that are new to our show or Cliff, uh, uh, hang on. Garrett uh, sucks. Cliff, my my son Oliver writes the uh, trivia question for us each week. Uh, it is like Final Jeopardy. I'm going to give you the subject matter. You uh, write down your bet, and then I'll give you the question. All right? Yep. Here we go. Everybody ready? You done? You, you put down your project. You put down your uh, scrapbooking or whatever you're doing over there. Kelly? That was
1: apparently that was also that he could put parentheses around Mister
0: and his sign. All of that happened for that. <laughs> I'm assuming that's the case. Why is yes. that in parentheses now? Because because I'm not a fan of Mister. Correct. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All right, here's your question. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here's your subject matter. No. I apologize. Publication history. We got a guy that's been publicized. Oh, wow. Boy. Publication history.
4: God damn. Wait, did your son come up with the category as well? comes up with everything. I don't see any of it until I read your it. Your right boy now. came up with the category publication history. <laughs> that's yeah. correct. Good Lord. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's
0: crazy, right? Um, okay, i got to pick a number here. Publication history. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, publication history. All right, Garen, are you in? Yep. All right. Are you in, hmm, sandbag?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are you in? Yeah.
0: All right, Matt. I'm in. Is in, Cliff? You in? Yeah. All right. Here's your question. I'll read the question. We'll take a break. Uh, here's your question. Every year, Time Magazine names a person of the year. Mm-hmm. The, very per- the very first person of the year was this famous flyer in 1927. Oh. Wow. That seems. I don't know much about dates, so I, I, I have two choices in my head. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a break all right yeah write it down uh if you would cliff and then i i will ask you for that uh, answer uh in due time uh let's take a break when we come back we'll get more of these great stories uh, from cliff and i'll do my best to interrupt them more uh, (laughs) right after this Hey, gang, Matt
1: here with some dates for you. Cliff Nesteroff is on social media at Classic Showbiz, and he's also got a new book. This is it. If you're looking at the video, this is the book. It's called Outrageous, A History of Showbiz and the Culture Wars. Uh, check it out wherever you get books. Um, and uh, yeah, he also wrote The Comedian's Great Book on the History of Stand-Up. Uh, so check all of his stuff out uh, wherever you can find it. Jimmy Pardo and myself will be at Sketchfest this coming weekend on the uh, 28th of January at 3 p.m. We're at the Gateway Theater with Janet Varney as our special guest uh this to be super fun sfsketchfest.com for tickets to that and then jimmy's hosting pop cultured at the ucb theater on february 10th don't think we have a lineup yet but uh get your tickets now it's gonna be great they're always great so uh go to ucbtheater.com for tickets to that and enjoy
0: Pop a factor into the microwave. Two minutes later, this baby's ready. Uh, you sit down. Watch some Yo, Gabba, Gabba. <laughs> sure. Enjoy your factor. Yeah. Right? Get in there. Get the wiggles out. That's somebody else, right? No, that, oh, no that's get them. Get your sillies out. Get out, your sillies out. Yeah. Wiggles are another kid's thing. Yeah. And those guys, I got, no, I got no truck with those guys. Good. Uh, they've got over 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Various different, you know, look, if you want chicken, they got chicken. You want a beef thing, they got beef thing. You want to bump up to a to a gourmet meal, they got mm. filet mignon. Mm. They've got, uh, they, they had lobster the other day. Oh, my God. You know, they got all this, all I sorts of things over that. there. They got delicious things over there. Head to factormeals.com slash Pardo50. Use code Pardo50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That is code PARDO50 at factormeals.com slash PARDO50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor, good food, fast. Hey, whether you have a small business or a big business, we know that uh, finding the right crew to surround yourself with is not easy to do. Well, here's a way to make that a little bit easier for you. Thank you to our friends, Zip Recruiter zip 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 slash pardo is the way to try ZipRecruiter right now for free just head over there you know what even if you're not hiring go to recruiter.com slash pardo check it out it doesn't cost you anything just take a look at that just
1: yeah if you always had an idea of like i uh, you know i could i could start a small business mm-hmm. may hire a couple of people we you know get this thing off the ground get let's, let's make some widgets just go on there and see how easy it would be to hire the people you would need what do you need like a an accountant mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i do you need a personal assistant i do you need a I, well, I don't know, like a graphic designer maybe? I do. Okay. Well, wait, are you are you starting a business? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, what is it?
0: I should tell you that. I, by the way, I have all three of those things. Yes. I said I do two, three things I actually do not need at the moment, <laughs> uh, but I am starting a business. I am selling bike chains. Oh. Strictly bike chains. Just the chain. Bikechains.com. Huh. It's my business. Are you manufacturing them yourself? I've got a team. Oh, Good team of
1: folks where would you uh, find those people ZipRecruiter.com. Uh, yeah you went on you've said look I'm looking for me- yeah. metal metal what are the what's that called a metal worker
0: um Someone who. Zippercoon knows how to
1: find the people that forge. Look they forge the, the pieces that you then mm-hmm. put together into a chain.
0: I got a, a nice group of kids out in the garage making these things. Okay. Good, uh, luck, good, good luck to you. And uh, by the way, if there is such a thing as bikechain.com, uh, I don't own that. So don't don't write the owner of that. That's your competitor.
1: Thinking that it's me. What did I say? No, no, I don't know. I'm just saying in real life, that's your competitor. Uh, yes. So do not go there. Don't, don't support him.
0: Do not go there. And do not send that person emails uh, <laughs> thinking that you're writing me and having fun. Uh, I don't even know if it's a real thing. Uh, Probably is. But it probably is. And you know what? I think I got to get into the bike chain game. Yeah, you do. Uh, the way to do that is through ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, ZipRecruiter is the way to do it. Once again, go to slash pardo right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter,
1: the smartest way to
0: hire. Everybody, welcome back to the program. As we know, it is episode thirty-three twenty-one. As we also know, there's an Easter egg at the end of the show. That's exciting. Little mm-hmm. something to stick around for. You were saying about people that leave the movie early. Yeah, now you got to stay through the credits. Stay through the credits to so see right? this little gem. And here it comes. Say, if you listen, if you want more Jack Carter, <laughs> <laughs> it's waiting for you. It's waiting for <laughs> yeah. you. If you were like, hey, you know, they only talked for seventy-five minutes about Jack Carter. I'd like more. Well, yeah. this is your lucky episode. Yeah. Uh, more Jack Carter talk uh, coming at the end of this. Uh, Cliff Nestoroff is here. He's got the new book, Outrageous, that uh, he's being described as nothing less than pointless, <laughs> um, which is the way to sell it. Uh, I can't wait to read it because, again, I love the comedians. I can't wait to read your second book. I mean that sincerely.
4: Well, the, the, most of my books are written with a, a comedian audience in mind. You okay. know, And so this book is popular with comics like it's been your previous guest. Gary Goldman's a big fan of it and many other people. But Patton Oswalt, Mark Marin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the back... May I mention, once again, it's Blurb by Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin's on <laughs> it. <that understood. laughs> yeah. So, and Albert Brooks, by the way, mentioned it on Marin's podcast and gave it a nice... Did proposal. he really? Yes. Awesome. Now, listen, since
0: you brought it up, before we go around the horn and get everybody's uh, answer here and checking with these guys, uh, you were a consulting producer on the recent Albert Brooks documentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how great was that, is my lame Chris Farley type <laughs> question.
4: <laughs> it was awesome because I found out after I was hired how I got hired. Okay. Because <clears throat> I was contacted by Rob Reiner's uh, Castle Rock uh, production company, and I was dealing with some dude th- that worked there. And then I found out after the fact that Rob Reiner did not know who I was, but that Albert had asked for me. Whoa. Whoa! They said, if we're going to do a documentary about comedy, we got to get uh, Cliff Nestor. So that was like the most... Incredible. Incredible, flattering thing to hear. Yes. I had met him once, uh, maybe 10 years ago. I had um dinner at a friend's place for his birthday, a sitcom writer, this guy Howard, who his claim to fame, which nobody knows, is not famous at all, but he started in the industry writing the Andy Kaufman episodes of Taxi, this guy Howard. And his wife and Albert's wife were like best friends. So I went over to his house for his. Uh, birthday and Albert was there. There was only like five people there and uh, it was amazing because I was sitting across Albert and he's telling me like road stories from the early 70s to an audience of one I'm getting like just spontaneous Albert Brooks comedy directed at me yes yes yes, yes. and he's like Cliff what's that uh, terrible city up in Canada <laughs> I go I don't know he goes no no there's one city it's horrible <laughs> I go uh, Calgary he goes yes Calgary <laughs> I open for Richie Havens there what a nightmare what a terrible city everybody's a cowboy right <laughs> 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 yeah. so he's doing shit That was 10 years earlier. Oh my gosh. And then I guess he continued to read my stuff or something. But yeah, so he requested that I be part of the thing. Unbelievable. And and it opened a lot of doors. Because we were looking for archival footage of Albert's stand-up act from the early '70s, and a lot of the owners of like old talk shows and stuff are like major corporations. They either don't know that they own these things, or they don't want don't let anybody see it. Even just uh, researching a book, they'll say no. But with Rob Reiner's name and Albert Brooks's name at my disposal, they open up the archive. So. Sony, and most of this didn't end up in the documentary, but I got to watch Albert Brooks doing uh, comedy on the Johnny Cash show in 1970. You know oh. Albert's stand-up back; he always deconstructed show business, right. so he would make fun of a ventriloquist, he would make fun of a mime. On the on the Johnny Cash show, he uh, was doing a parody of like The Amazing Kresgen. So he's playing like a psychic. He goes, okay, we're going to do something a little funny. He goes out into the audience. He goes, now, now, just to be clear, sir, have I ever met you before? No. I've never met you before in my life. Ma'am, have I ever met you before? And then that was it. That's for- it. <laughs> <laughs> for three minutes. Oh, man.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, um, love it. Yeah.
4: So I got to watch all this rare uh, Albert <laughs> Brooks amazing. footage. And then there was another thing that did end up in the documentary, but just a glimpse. In the early '70s, Steven Spielberg, before he was famous, was friends with Albert. They were part of the same mm-hmm. social group, and Steven Spielberg followed him around with like an 8 millimeter or a 16 millimeter camera and just filmed Albert spontaneously, hours at a time for did this for months. Yeah, and um, so they sent a lot of footage, but uh, Steven Spielberg, being a director, We didn't just get the raw footage, he had to edit it first before we were allowed to see any of it. Wow. And then, this is a little bit of insider scuttlebutt. Here we go. I heard from one of the other people on the documentary, our editor, that the reason Spielberg edited the footage before sending it along is because a lot of it was, like, incriminating party footage from the early 70s. Oh, boy. Whoa! Where people are doing cocaine or people are with women or whatever, and he didn't want that out there, even though he has it, supposedly. So I don't know what's in that footage. But anyways, he sent – Spielberg sent us maybe, like – a reel of like forty minutes of this spontaneous Albert Brooks patter that nobody has ever seen, and maybe thirty seconds of it ended up in the, in yeah. the film. But yeah, no, it was awesome. And I, we, we we would have like Zoom meetings, so I'd be at home on Zoom, Rob Reiner, Albert Brooks, and the editor, just the four of us on Zoom. And same thing, you're getting this like private show. And I remember the first Zoom call we did. Um, my camera I guess was tilted up and you could see like my ceiling Mm -hmm. and Rob Reiner stops the Zoom call. He goes, Cliff, tilt the camera down. We got too much headroom. (laughs) I'm being directed by Rob Reiner. My Zoom call is directed by Rob Reiner. (laughs) (laughs) was also wonderfully funny himself. Oh, such a delightful person. Charming person. Yeah, that was yeah it was a great experience yeah that's awesome yeah. congratulations thank you you, uh, yeah. you deserve it it's, uh, I,
2: yes I, well so you told the story about Spielberg and the thing that I'm that just struck me is that he's in his house cutting pieces of film right. to send to you yeah Physical this isn't, film. Yeah, it's physical film. Like like he's going back and like actually looking at the film, maybe using like a moviola or something, to find these pieces of film so that you yeah. can look at them.
4: Yeah, I mean, presumably he must have a massive editing bay. Rob Reiner has an entire house that's just for editing. Is that right? Right next to his house is the editing <laughs> house. It's this beautiful old 1920s house that used to belong to Henry Fonda. And uh, on their meter, where the meter man like reads how much power you're using or whatever. There, it's, it's still on there with this old tape. It says uh, Jane's room... Peter's room. Whoa! Yeah, from when they were kids. How did that stay
0: all this time?
4: Because nobody ever bothers to change those things, <laughs> right? But
0: if I put a piece of tape on my thing, it, 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 it rains for it, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> like I gotta go. All right, what is uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, what are those things? Please help me. Fuse box. Yeah, those those, those, the, those breaker uh, box. breakers. Breakers. Yeah, breakers. Like, wh- what's breakers. the sixth one? Is that the bad? Yeah. <laughs> what, the, what, what went off? Like that's what happens with me. Right. <laughs> yeah,
4: I was I was over there. Um, Right before Christmas. You are at Rob's house. Yeah, because I wanted to pick up a poster. They made posters of the documentary. I want to get a frame, put it on my wall. Sure. And so I went to pick up the poster, and I was in the editing house. And uh, their editor, Bob, were walking through the house, and he goes, see that? And he points to something in a closet on the ground. I go, what? He goes, that's the typewriter from Misery.
0: And it was just sitting <laughs> in a just closet the on the ground.
4: Yeah, yeah. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. That, and you're not allowed in the real house. Only the other.
4: <laughs> I think
0: that, that is, is part is of the reason for that. Yeah, come yeah. over to the house. <laughs> he <hey>, wrong driveway. <laughs> uh, all right, we got to go around the horn here. Let's do it. There we go. Uh, we check in with Garren Cockrell. He's over there at the. What did we decide we're calling him? The uh, the double the, 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 double feature. The double feature. The double, double feature, feature. Garen or... Cockrell. He's over there. Now you were going to see a double feature. You were going to see the Iron Claw and. Um, The beekeeper. beekeeper. Now I saw the beekeeper. And did you like? Did you see the beekeeper? I did see the beekeeper. I think
3: it's horrible, but I loved it. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible, right? Yes, yes. But I, you know what? It's it's 90s action, like direct to video action junk. Hundred percent. And I can't wait for a part two.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Beekeeper's back. Yeah. (laughs) Buzz, buzz. Buzz, 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 (laughs) motherfucker. All right. That's 2025. That's what I do on TikTok in 2025. Uh, And then did you like the Iron Claw?
3: No. You didn't like it? No. Why not? I don't know. I didn't connect. It didn't connect. Didn't connect? Everything about it is good. I just didn't, for some reason, it, it didn't vibe oh, with me or a shame. whatever. Yeah, I don't it's very sad. It is very sad. And I did get a little teary at the very, very end, but it, I don't I don't I don't have an explanation. I don't know. All right. Moira Tierney is fantastic and I don't know why no one's talking about her. The mom. I but I love her anyway.
0: She's so always great and I just think that she's an actress that it, she's it's that. You know what I mean? Like reliable. A, yeah.
3: Yeah. She just there's just scenes with her that I'm like, wow, this is the dress scene a minute I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dress, yes, of course. Yeah, she's just, I, I don't know, I love
0: her. Uh, all right, well, Garen, we uh, we're, we're, we're pressed for time, mm-hmm. so let's get right to it. Every year, Time Magazine names their person of the year. The very first person of the year was this famous flyer in 1927. Who are you going with?
3: I just went with my first instinct, Amelia Earhart. All
0: right, I believe that's, uh, that was one of the two choices I had in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I turned into Johnny Carson at the end of that second. remember the two choices I had. By, oh, my God, my son. Speaking of Oliver's question, uh, he's, he's on the couch yesterday. He years ago, am going to get myself some cheese and crackers. <laughs> and I didn't know he knew, really I, – I don't know him to know Johnny Carson enough right. to just turn and do an impression for no reason. I'm going right. to get myself some cheese and crackers. <laughs> Loved it. I then, uh, you know, ran around the house in the way that Saget and I did after uh, Red button was a joke. All right, let's check in with <laughs> mm-hmm. Sandbag. Uh, he's back there uh, making, uh, doing Foley work on, on the side of yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. the second microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your show, we, we, we talked at length earlier about sure. your, your voice and so on and so forth. Yes, sir. But you had a nice weekend overall other than this, yeah. uh, the voice issues.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, all right, what's your guest then? So I went with the other one. Yes? Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I'm... I'm mad at my bet, Well, we'll find out how that goes. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: uh, hang on. Oh, geez, you see that?
2: What phone, happened? I don't know what happened there, but the phone somehow uh,
0: left six <laughs> inches Holy from my should. head. Might have been more like nine inches. I mean, I don't know how the measurements work. Uh, Matt, you went with? Charles Lindbergh. And Cliff?
4: Amelia Earhart. Oh, oh right. we got Split a two and here. And
0: I went with, uh, with Lindbergh. I went uh, mm-hmm. uh, with Lindbergh. Again, I think those were, the, to me, were the two yeah, choices. Yeah, but I,
1: I kind of now am agreeing with Elliot that he said this is going to be an Abe Lincoln situation. Where, you
2: think it's a third person? Well, it could be like a French guy or something. It's just
1: a. We had a question once that Oliver wrote that was like, uh, "What uh, politician had a 200 <laughs> wins as a wrestler, a professional wrestler?" We're like, "Well, it's obviously
2: Jesse Ventura." It was Abraham Lincoln was the answer. <laughs> like, motherfucker. And be- before you get to this, yeah. as much as I want to believe that Amelia Earhart would have made person of the year, I don't think it was called person of the year. I think it was, it was called man, man of the year. That, that was my
0: thought, mm. is that uh, so the, they would never give mm. our a, a woman of, an award. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's find out together. It is Charles Lindbergh. It is Charles Lindbergh. Right. And so now it comes down to that. Who has this? Just me and you? No. no. The three oh, and Elliot. The three of us, yeah. yeah. Uh, you <laughs> well, I know you're... I'm out, because I went with one. Oh, Wow. I think I'm out. I went with two. Oh no! Did you
2: win? I did. I went with five. Oh, Congratulations! Wow!
1: Wow! Congratulations! What are the freaking I, odds of that? Literally, that topic, that category sounded so.
0: Oh, difficult. I hated it. I was like, no, I've never been no more way. disappointed in a bet in my life.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Ditto.
0: This wow! Is the champion. Close it up. All right. All right, so uh, Cliff, we're gonna give Elliot five dollars. Matt's gonna throw it at him, yeah. <laughs> and we do a Joker's Wild style, which means we all count to five by fives. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it at him. but I'm
1: gonna, Instead of crumpling it well, you know. angrily, I'm gonna fold it somewhat right. uh, nicely, like an, like an airplane. No, no, I just, I, I'm gonna, you know, usually I would just crumple it in anger, but I don't. That doesn't seem nice or fair. There's no reason to be mad at him. No, I'm not mad at him at all. I'm mad at myself. All right, here we go. And
3: five. Oh, oh no. garen get well, the rebound. Means,
0: that means you don't get it.
2: I <laughs> think <laughs> when you play that, game, It's near your,
0: uh, your uh, right foot. I
2: think he made a ring out of
0: it. Yeah. What, what just fell? On? Was it your pen? All right. Cliff Nesterov is here. I do like it, though. The remaining moments we have. It a ring it. Um... <laughs> Uh, Cliff, give us an example of what's in this new book that uh, some are loving and some are uh, going out of their way to get mad at.
4: <laughs> yes. People who are not in comedy don't like it. People who are in comedy love it. All right. So I'm not too concerned, but the inside flap or the inside uh, uh, covers, front and back, I'm very proud okay. of because it was Do my it. idea. This mm-hmm. newspaper collage of <clears throat> people getting mad Do that. Do that again at showbiz and, yeah, you oh, see that? wow. So you have headlines in there like (laughs) senior citizens blast Johnny Carson. (laughs) <laughs> he was objected to for doing Aunt blabby. They thought it was uh, insulting to the elderly, and there was a campaign to have him stop doing that. So the conceit of this book is this idea of today's I oh, can't joke about anything anymore. People are too sensitive, millennials are assholes, college see-. this is this book demonstrates that no, this is exactly so- as it always has been, <laughs> right. always will be. Right. <laughs> Toronto Hotel bans religious political spoofs, which was in reference to Rich Little. In the early 1960s. The very
0: edgy, rich little. That's right. Guy's
4: never been edgy a day in his life. Here's a quote, again, in the collage from 1961. 1961. Can't be clean anymore, says old-time Scott comic, in wrapping today's filth. (laughs) City Hotel cancels American Sick Act. That was in reference to uh, uh, Lenny Bruce. A news article, what do mod Love American Style, Dean Martin, Carol Burnett, Mash, All in the Family, and Marcus Welby, M.D., have in common? Mm-hmm. They share the wrath of the Virginia-based organization Stop Immorality on TV.
1: <laughs> so Some of the best television shows of all time. Right.
4: Jerry Lewis's gamey gags spark censors threat in Washington, D.C., Jack Benny loses in Supreme Court for his TV parody of Gas, of Gaslight, the movie. Red Skelton says political joke ruled off air. Mary Poppins is banned. Beetle Bailey banned. Extreme right-wingers target Bob Newhart for his irreverent barbs. <laughs> Johnny Carson meant no disrespect to morticians. Dice Clay gets cheers, jeers. Letters to the editor. Minstrel show demeaning. Oh, boy. women's lib want prostitutes lesbians okayed and dean martin axed <laughs> are comedians too brash or public too sensitive all of these headlines are from the 20th century mostly the mid 20th century smothers brothers pro-marijuana skit irks police chief <laughs> um oh this one was you know when the chris rock uh, uh will smith thing happened Immediately went into the newspapers.com archive, typed in "comedian slapped" oh. in quotes to see what came up. A news story from the late 1950s: comedian slapped. <laughs> 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 a woman in the audience slapped Ozzie Morris, Welsh comedian, because he let to, he let slip two swear words during a variety show here. Wow. So, anyways, that's sort of the crux of the book is right there in the uh, in the flap, but okay. it's. The laughter that it has generated will, to the right-minded person, continue as you read this book. Many ridiculous letters to the editor are quoted. Also, a lot of complaints from comedians like George Goebel in the 50s saying, uh, people are too sensitive these days. You can't joke about anything anymore. Wow. You know? oh. So just that's essentially what it is. The book is a big, deep dive of historical context telling people to chill the fuck out. Great. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: And for that reason, I'm out. I'm going to give this back to you. <laughs> I, I was all in based on the cover of what you just did. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I'm thrilled to have this Is for me, you told me. Yes, sir. Uh, great. I love it. I can't wait to read it. Um, and I look forward to diving into this very soon. Uh, Cliff, please come back and visit us again. Anytime. I mean that sincerely. You are, yeah. uh, you are welcome here anytime. What a, what, a, what a complete joy this was.
4: Mutual feeling. Thank uh, you, Jimmy.
2: Can I, can I just say, by the way, love the impressions.
0: Yeah.
1: and also the impressions everything. shockingly good impressions no one saw that coming I don't which think. impressions did I do I well, every comedian you quoted was really yeah, <laughs> yeah. all
4: your impressions were yeah. spot on I mean yeah, yeah, half yeah.
1: the people I don't know how, what they really sounded we, like uh, but it seemed credible I don't yeah. do
4: any impression the only impression I do is Walter Brennan I
2: don't even you, did, sounds... you did a very good Albert Brooks a really yeah. good really. conversational and, Albert Brooks and there was another one oh, that, yeah. I, <laughs> that I recognized and I can't think of it now
4: see when I did the audiobook so The Comedian's my first book very popular Audiobook despised <laughs> because I didn't know how you do an audiobook. Okay. and I didn't have a director just a fucking 21 year old engineer he didn't know what to do and uh, I said when I would get to quotes I go what do you do when you're quoting somebody so they know it's not me he goes oh you just maybe change the tone go up go down as soon as I got to a quote by Jack Carter Jack Carter said, Fuck Sid Caesar! So I'm screaming in the audiobook, and all the reviews are like, Why is this guy screaming? He <laughs> oh, ruined the audiobook. His Albert Brooks doesn't sound anything like Albert Brooks, uh, one star, you know? So no, uh, very unpopular those they're impressions.
0: Well, you, uh, but, but you're, you're for this, getting disagreement out of three people here that yeah. are assholes, so,
2: <laughs> but, I yelled at a website.
4: <laughs> but uh, when I did the audiobook for this one, I was like, Okay, don't do voices, don't do voices, don't do voices. And then, um, (laughs) as soon as I got to some irrational letter to the editor, I slipped into my Walter Brennan. So, for instance, on page 146, there's a letter to the editor from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in 1971 in which a person wrote... All in the family is nothing short of a communist conspiracy to destroy what moral fiber we have left in our nation. So I did that throughout the uh, audiobook. Right. I just can't help myself. I don't yeah. care if people hate it. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, luckily, we do have 95-year-old listeners that'll enjoy that Walter Brennan impression. <laughs> uh, and a few people I really
4: enjoyed imagine. that Walter Brennan impression. <laughs>
0: uh, Cliff, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting this program. We certainly do it appreciate that um again as i mentioned last time there's some announcements coming up soon some uh, uh live maybe a live appearance or two coming up that we had we'll uh, we'll mention as well as
2: some other stuff you're looking at me like you uh, no no no, no? I'm, okay i'm i'm i, I th- think they'll be excited to hear these things
0: all right thank you i thought i thought i was forgetting something and the, the look on your face uh, uh, was misleading oh, all right uh now i'm panicked and worried that i'm uh, that just, You're just fine. I don't know how to read people's faces. <laughs> uh, You're I, face illiterate. You know what? I, I don't I, you know, see faces. I don't see faces. <laughs> I don't oh. see faces. I, whenever I look at a human being, I see that blue thing they put on that woman oh. the old CNN, uh, 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 William Kennedy Smith trial. Uh-huh. That's what I oh, see wow. whenever I see a yeah. person. She's that little thing. On behalf of, there he is over there. There's the double feature. Garen Cockrell behind uh, Video Village. That's Sandbag. Uh, <laughs> Elliot Hopper, the honcho Matt Belknap and our new Frank Cliff Nesteroff. I'm Jimmy Pardo. We'll see you next time on the podcast. AK-47, go on, not forgotten.
1: Love Never Not Funny? For a second episode every week and video of every episode, plus bonus perks, sign up for a platinum subscription at NeverNotFunny.com. Never Not Funny, a sag after podcast, is executive produced by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap. Video production by Elliot Hochberg. Production assistance by Garen Cockrell. Music by Daver and Watch It Burn copyright 2024, Never Not Funny, LLC. <laughs> We're starting. Oh, Cliff, let me uh, just for a sound check, what did you have for breakfast? If you do indeed eat breakfast?
4: Who cares? But uh, Colombo, I think the Colombo impression is mostly uh, in the eyes. Right, if you can do that half cross-eye thing, that's a Columbo impression. Or in the eye, I think. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and Klugman, Jack Carter, the old comedian who's long since died, was in an episode of The Odd Couple, and he told me that they used to call Jack Klugman a shoulder actor. And I said, (laughs) what's a shoulder actor? He goes, like, Sam Levine, Jack Klugman, they just do this. Every scene, they do this. Shoulder actor. He includes (laughs) Sam Levine? Uh, not the young Samuel okay, Levine. For, uh, There's an old uh, oh, actor okay. from Broadway in the 40s named uh, Samuel Levine.
1: Because the yeah. young Samuel Levine might also be a I shoulder think actor, was, <laughs> now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I
0: never thought about it, but yeah. it felt right.
4: But it was like a phrase that, among actors, they would make fun of people as shoulder actors. That's great. I heard the phrase
0: once about Bonnie Franklin that she was a balance actress. And what that means is, and if you look at, they said, well, look, whenever she walks into a room, she walks in and will... Uh, Anch- no, no, I'm sorry, an anchor actress. She would come in and she would anchor herself, mm-hmm. holding the holding uh, mm-hmm. the the back of a sofa, holding the arm of a chair, holding somebody's shoulder. Like mm-hmm. she and she does. Like if you watch it, one day at a time. No matter what she's doing, she's holding on. <laughs> it's very strange.
4: That's a very uh, common thing. If you go to if you have the misfortune of attending a fringe festival. <laughs> Almost everybody who does like a monologue, they're sitting in a chair and halfway through they stand up yeah. and go behind the chair.
2: Yeah, Very true. I know this isn't about me, but uh, Andrew once yelled at me. He said, squinting is not acting. Oh, wow. Andrew gets it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's right.
4: Tell he's it to right. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, true.
2: Um, all right, let's do it. First I'm rolling. First, you're
4: roll rolling you
1: rolling. I
2: am also rolling. You've got the checks you mm-hmm. wanted. Uh, let me just double check. I said that, but make sure it's true. Yes, it is. I'll tell you this very quickly, Cliff, uh, before we start. Uh,
0: I was on the Bud Friedman uh, roast. Tom Arnold used to do a celebrity roast every year to mm-hmm. raise money for charity. And um, we were they were honoring Bud Friedman that year, and I was asked to be on the dais because I was hosting the game show that Bud was producing. and uh, And I'm one of the people, you know, I'm one of the five that Bud is proud that he discovered. And so I was up there, and um, the two big heroes every year apparently were, um, oh, Vinnie Favarito and Dom Arrera. They were always the heroes, and they were always the two that would go last. Well, this year, Red Skelton was going last, Red Buttons, rather, was going last because Bud wanted him to go last. And um, I went first, and I had never done one of these before, so I'm the new guy, and uh, my friend Mike Schmidt wrote me great jokes, Danielle, my people, they wrote me great jokes, and I not usually a good joke reader, but I read these jokes brilliantly and I was hysterical and some of my jokes, as a roast is, are at the expense of the people on the dais. Like, it's a fucking roast. We've all done it. and uh, We've all seen them, rather. And so I, I make fun of Don Herrera and Vinnie Favorito for being Italian or whatever and blah, 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 blah. I make fun of Bob Saget. You call him a dullard and, you know, whatever the fuck I'm doing. And... and Everybody enjoys it, with the exception of Dom and Vinny, who are visibly furious. Oh, boy. Like, furious. And pouting and annoying. And then, so when Vinny gets up, Vinny's like... Goes down the dais, Bob Saget, here's my two jokes, two jokes, two jokes, two jokes. And Jimmy, part of all I could say to you on behalf of Dom, I and myself, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that was the line. Oh, and like, oh, and I laugh because I'm on a dais in front of a human p- people. Like, But I know he's not kidding, but I pretend. And then Dom does a bunch of jokes telling me to go fuck myself, basically. <laughs> and I'm in my head going, what the fuck is the problem? Like, What you, two fucking, what are you, children? And so Andy Kindler was there, and and Andy, Andy comes up to me immediately, and it's like, "Jesus Christ, those guys fucking act like idiots, like children, right?" He goes, "I'm going to I'm going to talk to Dom," so he goes to talk to Dom, and he comes over. He goes, "Yeah, Dom's pissed. He's really mad. They're more mad that uh, that uh, you killed, mm-hmm. you killed, and that infuriated them because they're usually the heroes, and you killed uh, Topin And I go, "Well, somebody's got to go first, you know," and. and And uh, so Dom, who then did not talk to me for years, and I'm not kidding, did not talk to me for years, and I would run, there's a point to this story, by the way, Mm -hmm. and I would run into him at Montreal, and I would go, hey, Dom, hmm, and he would just walk (laughs) away. Like, it would be that lame. I tried to talk to him one time where I said, uh, Dom, my friend Andy tells me that you're upset about the roast. Nobody's upset. It's a roast. Maybe you don't have a sense of humor. (laughs) No, no, no! I clearly am the one that did. So anyway, the whole point, reason I bring it up is, in the audience are Jan Murray, Norm Crosby, Jack Carter, and some other uh, guy from that era, and I, I forget who it was. And those four guys made a beeline to me afterwards to motherfuck those two guys back
2: down.
0: <laughs> you know, what was right, Jack Carter, more than anybody, fuck those guys. Those fucking guys can't, can't take a fucking joke. And I, and I was trying to be diplomatic. Well, you know what, it's a roast. That's no roast. They didn't fucking like that you were funny and they fucking attacked you. And and then Norm Crosby goes, what do you know, you're talking to him about those two fucking assholes?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it was to me, like these these four guys who, whether you think Jack Carter's funny or not, yeah. like those were four heroes of mine yeah, from, that, yeah, yeah. from that generation Old school. who were on my, Jan Murray, who was never in front of you dan his fucking life <laughs> is on my side. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I saw so I left with some pride yeah. going, you know what? That's all I give a shit about. Yeah. Those four guys like you two fucking goombas and I'm gonna tell you and I yeah. said you go fuck yourselves. And so that was the long, my long-winded story to say, here's my Jack Carter story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, first
4: time I met Jack Carter in person. By I the way, didn't... we're
0: still not on the air. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead.
4: When, when I interviewed Jack Carter over the phone, he invited me to his house. At the time, I was living in Vancouver. So when I came down to L.A. for the first time, I went over to his house, and he's walking me through his hallway to his den. And by the way, his den had two different oil painting portraits of him on the <laughs> opposing <laughs> walls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of, this is not on the earth.
4: One of him on, in the 70s with like a butterfly collar and then another one that was more modern with like a cape over his shoulder. But anyways, uh, we're walking through the hall. He has all these framed photos of his career and there's him and Norm Crosby at the Kentucky Derby. Him and Norm Crosby uh, water skiing. Him and Norm Crosby <laughs> in Las Vegas. And I go, uh, so you're really close friends with... Uh, Norm Crosby. He goes, fuck Norm Crosby. <laughs> I go, what? He looks like you guys are best friends. He goes, he wouldn't let me speak at Bob Hope's funeral. He got up, he did my act. Fuck Norm Crosby. Like he just had this blood wow. feud with him. Wow. But he still had this gallery. <laughs> <The> gallery <laughs> yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah. Love it.
0: Awesome. Oh, I wish we would have included all that.